I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live podcast. This is a segment from last week's live video show. The live show is available every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Simply search for BaseGod14. That's B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4 on either YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. And now, on with the show. I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live. Please pay attention to our warning graphic. It states that the Retro Rogues Live show is intended for an adult audience and not intended for children under the age of 13. Parental discretion is advised. Again, welcome to the show. My name is Dave Beatty. For the last 30 years, I've been a professional illustrator and graphic designer, and I've worked for uh, a lot on a lot of fun properties over the years, things such as Justice League of America, Batman Incorporated, and even X-Men, Sword of the Braddocks. But enough about that. I welcome back my co-host. This is Mr. Uh, Eric Alexander. Eric, please tell the folks, hope you're watching or listening at home, some of the fun things you have worked on as a creative professional. Yes, hello everyone. I'm Eric Alexander, also known as Bass God 14. That's Bass God 14, not Bass God. That's Bass God, like a bass guitar. And I am the chief financial officer of a small production company called Bad Bob Productions, located in Arizona. And uh, currently, I am also an executive producer on a project called Staycation, uh, which is actually on its in-demand phase of uh, its Indiegogo campaign. Very cool. So on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about uh, Godzilla versus Kong. We're going to have another thrilling installment of the Collector's Corner. Talk about some interesting things happening in the world of pop culture, the streaming wars, and hopefully talk up to you about things that you find interesting based on the topics that we have selected for this evening's program. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get into our main topics. Just get right into it. We're going to be talking about Godzilla versus Kong. We're going to start off by doing just a quick summary. We're going to talk about our initial impressions, being spoiler-free, being mindful not to spoil anything from the film. Um, and then upon that, uh, we'll give you the spoiler warning when that happens. And then we're going to just open the floodgates and whatever you want to talk about in relation to Godzilla versus Kong, we're going to talk about. However, here in the first segment, we are going to try to keep it spoiler-free. And uh, we, But we would like to know uh, what you thought of the film as well. So please comment in the Rogues Gallery. Comment from wherever you are. You can comment from YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, wherever you are. Just post that comment. We'll put it up on the screen. We want to know what you thought of Godzilla versus Khan. We want to hear your opinions. All right, so basically the summary from IMDb basically states that the epic next chapter of the cinematic Monsterverse pits, Monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another, the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong, with humanity caught in the balance. All right. So I am probably going to be a little snarky this evening, so let me apologize in advance. Here's my initial impression of Godzilla versus Kong. I think this is my fourth favorite Transformers movie. All right, Eric, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. I don't know if I can I can counter that or 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 even add to that in any way, but I will try. I will try. Um, I do want to acknowledge uh, Jane's in the house, and she says, "Hey, so hi there, Jane. We always appreciate you uh, checking us out and uh, commenting." And I'm curious if you, I think, I think Jane had mentioned she already saw this film. I, I feel like she said that last week that she'd already seen it uh, yeah. or was or was planning to see it um, because it, I don't think it had quite come out. Well, it did. It came out that day, right? Because it actually yeah, came, it came, came out, out on Wednesday. So it actually yeah. came out during our last broadcast. Now I got right, it. Now right. I'm, I'm up to speed. So um, we definitely would like to hear what, what you have to say about it. Um, so I want to start out by saying, generally speaking, Oh, and hey, Gravity Station, it's good to see you here from Twitch. It's 
always nice to see somebody from Twitch. We don't get a lot of Twitch comments, so I always try to highlight those. Um, I try not to watch too many reviews of a film that I plan to review. Okay. One of the issues is, first of all, I don't want to be stealing stuff from another commentator and taking stuff, you know, either away from them or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't want to do that. But the other thing is, what happens sometimes is it'll give you an expectation of the film. Now, I actually re specifically remember I went to three different YouTubers uh, in, in varying ranges. One of them is huge. The other one is pretty big. And then one of them is fairly small. And all of them kind of said the same thing. And the reviews were actually very positive. And I got a little bit worried because I was like, okay, the problem is when I start hearing positive reviews, now I've got an expectation, right? Whereas before I really didn't. I'm not like necessarily a huge Godzilla or King Kong fan. I grew up watching Godzilla like Saturday mornings. They used to have these like um, they used to have these like uh, uh, movie. I can't remember what they were. You know, they were basically like they have kind of like a movie of, of a Saturday morning movie after the cartoons were all over. And very often those were Godzilla movies. Very, very often they were Godzilla movies. So I grew up sort of watching them as like, you know, the sort of after effect of after watching Saturday morning cartoons, I'd watch the right, Godzilla right. movie or, or whatever was, was on. But I was never like necessarily like a huge Godzilla fan, although I actually do quite like uh, Godzilla 1985, uh, I, which is the sort of like the Americanized version of the, the Godzilla at that time. I, I've always kind of enjoyed that one for whatever reason. But I'm not necessarily like a huge Godzilla fan or a huge King Kong fan. Um, I, you know, I like them fine. I do like, I, the, the thing that I do like, especially with Godzilla is I like the parts where the monster destroys the city. I've always enjoyed that. I've always thought it's kind of fun and quirky. Um, you know, just, just that whole, you know, I, I love the models. I remember that. That's something I always really enjoyed is that you would have all those crazy models. I mean, really awesome models in Godzilla movies and they really looked amazing. And that's the kind of stuff that I enjoyed. So in the CG era, I haven't been enjoying this stuff as much. Um, I, I passed on the first Godzilla movie in this series. I passed on Skull Island. And then I ended up watching uh, the King of Monsters, right? Godzilla King of Monsters. I think that's the one that I actually watched uh, because my kids wanted to watch it. And so we actually watched it together. And I wasn't very impressed. I wasn't very impressed. The biggest issue that I have with a lot of these movies, and, and this even goes back to some of the, the older Godzilla films, quite frankly, is... The human characters always seem to get in the way. And th that is something consistent also with Transformers. Like what, what, Dave, what you were saying about Transformers, that I really kind of feel that because for me, Transformers especially is egregious because the Transformers themselves are fully developed characters. Optimus Prime is a fully developed character who talks, okay? Now in monster movies like this, where the where the monsters don't talk, I do understand that the 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 humans serve a purpose because they kind of have to explain what's going on right so otherwise it's just monsters destroying each other which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing in, in my mind but i do understand the need for having this, the human characters to kind of explain what's going on explain where they are you know kind of give us some context of what's happening because the monsters themselves cannot speak but i feel more often than not they just get in the way they just get under the way of what everybody is there and, you know, to watch what everybody wants. We want to see the monsters fighting, right? That's what we want. We want to see the cities being destroyed. That's what we want. And you know what we don't want? 
We don't want to be constantly going back and forth between the action and whatever's going on with the stupid human characters. I know that's not what we want. I don't think anybody wants that. And I don't understand that particular formula that's going on right now with the monster, this monster verse, right? This Godzilla monster verse. I, I don't like the human characters. I think they're generally really silly and stupid and they just get in the way of what it is that we're all there to watch in the first place. Well, and I, I agree with you. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things um, having, again, having seen this film, um, I didn't hate it, you know, I mean, I didn't hate it, but, but that's what I thought of watching it. That's why I started off with saying this is my fourth favorite Transformers movie, because <laughs> that's really pretty much what it felt like, you know, um, you know, I like the first Transformers movie a lot. Um, I like Bumblebee a lot. That's my number one and my number two. Um, I liked, uh, Dar was it Dark of the Moon or whatever? Uh, that one was fun. Um, so I like, that's my third one. And I'd say Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> It's number four um, because it just has a lot of the same things. It's, it, you know, it's like the later Transformers movies. Like you were saying, Eric, it's just, you know, it's like all that really weird, like, was it Romeo and Juliet law thing in Texas in that one with had uh, Mark Wahlberg in it. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I mean, like, oh my gosh, all that stuff with, uh, you know, I, um, uh, Anthony Hopkins, and the last oh. one and the C-3PO robot butler thing. Oh, that was, was just terrible. Like, it was so I still bad. Can't it was so bad. I still can't believe he did that. They must have paid him just gajillions of dollars for him to do that. But I feel like he literally like uh, defied his own legacy being in that film, especially yeah. you know late in his career. I'm just like, why? I mean, they must have just given him a boatload of money, like just a boatload right. of money. And and so for me, that that's what this film felt like, you know, Um Again, I didn't hate it, you know, it was, it was entertaining, you know, but at the same point, there was just a lot of points in which it, it, during this that I, all I could think of is like, man, Pacific Rim's a pretty good movie. You know what I mean? That's what I kept thinking. I, I feel like I was watching, I wish I was watching Pacific Rim, um, oh, wow. you know, so, and, 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 so that, that's where I am with this one. I mean, we can get into the spoiler talk here in a few minutes, but I, I, that was just my general, general impression. Um, you know, and I love this kind of stuff. Like, you know, I love Ultraman. Um, I grew up watching Godzilla just like you did, uh, Eric. Um, I think Johnny Sacco and his giant robo was a favorite of mine, too. So I'm familiar with the whole kaiju, you know, battling thing. I had Shogun Warriors when I was a kid. I had a friend who had the Godzilla Shogun Warrior. They had the flames painted on the tongue, you know, like. So I've been around this stuff for a very long time. I remember watching the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon. A lot of people may not even remember that one. And I actually enjoyed watching the Fox Kids version that actually was patterned after the um, the uh, the nineties one. You know, and I, yeah, I'm familiar I, with that one. Yeah, and I, I actually quite like the cartoon. It's kind of like Men in Black, like that Men in Black cartoon that actually followed the uh, movie it was actually a lot of fun, and it ran for a pretty good long time. So. So I don't hate on this stuff. I enjoy it. But I just felt like, you know, I mean, it's just weird. It was like I I, I had rewatched Godzilla King of the Monsters in preparation for this film. And I felt like Godzilla the King of the Monsters was, um, I think I liked that more, you know. Interesting. Um, yeah, it just, it, that's the thing. It's I was just kind of surprised. It, it made me appreciate some of the other stuff a, a little bit better. Um, 
you know, because I remember going into this, I, I was thinking, it's like, I don't understand how Kong is going to take on Godzilla after what we saw him deal with in, you know, King of the Monsters. But, um, you know, it was just insanity that, that, you know, I mean, I understand they did this back in the day, like, was it 68, 70, something like that? They they made a big deal. It was TV actually pretty early on. It. It's, it's like the yeah. third Godzilla movie is, is Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we do have some comments here in the Rogues Gallery. Uh, Jane says that she was not impressed. I think that's the general tenor that we're talking about. <laughs> um, and uh, she says that she, her favorite was uh, Mighty Joe Young. I remember watching it actually with my mom and my family back in the day. Um, we went to the 7-Eleven and got the 3D glasses because they, they had a 3D version they showed on TV back in the day. I remember going oh, wow. specifically out to the 7-Eleven to get the 3D glasses and we made popcorn and had a lot of fun with that. I remember that was really a fun, uh, fond memory of mine. Um, hi, John. It sounds John. like that would have been a lot of fun. Um, I, I never got to see Mighty Joe Young. I, I still haven't seen that one. Yeah. Hi, John. John uh, Master Bunny's here uh, in the Rogues Gallery. And he says, uh, have not seen it. Did they make Godzilla bad after being a good monster in the last films? Well, we'll get into the spoiler really. conversation. Yeah, not he's really. not really... He's kind of like the same way they portrayed him in the other stuff. He's kind of more like a force of nature is the best way to describe it. But, well, actually, Not I, I want to get into that. I do want to get into that because, actually, I do have a different take on that. Um, but uh, a lot of people have said, and even I, even in the reviews that I was I was uh, that I went and, and checked out, uh, people were saying that Godzilla is kind of more like the villain, um, but he's not. I, I, I would say that's, that's not an accurate depiction. I, I don't know what movie they saw. Um, because clearly that's not the case. Um, he does basically advance the action, right? You know what I mean? That's he's the the the, the person that's kind of causing the problem at the beginning, if you will, kind of sort of. I don't want to get uh, you know straight into spoilers before we actually announce spoilers, but I do want to answer John's question the best that I can. And and so I'm just saying, like to me, you know, it, it, in my mind, uh, no, he really isn't. He really he really isn't like the villain. Um, Kong is certainly heroic, I think. Kong is definitely kind of uh, portrayed in a, a, a much more heroic light uh, than I think traditionally he would be. But uh, yeah, uh, Godzilla, I don't think that's an accurate representation. And and that is in direct contrast to a lot of other reviews that I've heard where people have said, yeah, he's the villain. I'm like, no, he's not. I mean, what movie did you see? I mean, that's just my take. Yeah, like I said, for me, I would probably describe it as kind of more like a force of nature kind of idea. But he he's definitely not. I wouldn't. I would would say i mean there's definitely a conflict going on and kong does come across very heroically that that, that was i would definitely agree with eric on that i was definitely kind of surprised at that um you know but but it's not it's not as cut and dry you know well let me put it this way it's not as cut and dry unless you accidentally stop on youtube to try and check some stats for something and for some reason, even though you get copyright strikes out the wazoo for not even really doing ridiculous things, and then there's the ending of Kong versus Godzilla spoiled, and YouTube's recommending it to you. <laughs> Interesting. Well, John points then out... Then you might have a different take. Okay. Well, John points out that the trailer does uh, kind of make Godzilla out to be uh, the villain, and I think that is deliberate. Uh, that, that is kind of how, how, how we start out, right? That's, he's the one that's really causing all this stuff to happen. Um, and then uh, Jane mentions that she would not say Godzilla was, 
he's, he's, he's uh, not a bad monster in my opinion. So interesting take there. Um, I think we probably should get into, go ahead and get into spoilers. What do you think, Dave? That sounds good to me. I was trying to, I was trying to pull up a graphic here real quick. Well, if you don't mind vamping for a few minutes. No, not at all. Um, so I won't go, won't go full, full spoilers yet. Uh, especially if you, if you don't want to get spoiled and you want to continue, uh, uh, talking, talking to us, I do kind of not agree with the force of nature thing. Of a, a buffering issue there a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, hung up for a minute. Um, my personal take is almost the opposite. I wish Godzilla had been de depicted more like a force of nature. I'm actually going the opposite way and saying that I felt like uh, the the way that they the way that they went and th and this goes all the way I, and this is pretty well established in that that you know whatever you call this now the Godzilla monsterverse or whatever they're calling this. Um, they do kind of establish that, that, you know, I don't know, like Godzilla is supposed to be almost like a, I guess for lack of a better term, maybe like a protector of, of the, of the environment or protector of the earth kind of a thing. That's kind of the idea. Um, and I don't necessarily like that. I actually wish it was more that he was just a force of nature and there isn't any kind of real there isn't like a real value uh, put on him one way or the other. Cause in this movie, there is a lot of stuff and it's built from the previous movies as well. There is a lot of stuff that makes like Godzilla is like a really good thing. Um, and you know, he should basically, we shouldn't worry about him. You know, it's, it's fine to have this big, huge monster looking around that anytime can just destroy a city uh, because something goes wrong. Um, somehow that's okay. Um, there's a lot of characters that seem to have that point of view in the movie and they're like the main characters. And that annoys me because to me, I feel like the interpretation should be more like, no, he is a force of nature and therefore he's not necessarily good or bad, uh, but just like a force of nature, right? You do have to prepare for them. And sometimes you do have to try to do things to mitigate um, their effect on you, right? Like when we're talking about hurricanes, earthquakes, all those kinds of things, uh, we do have to find ways to uh, protect ourselves from those things. And uh, that to me is, 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 is what kind of Godzilla is, is Godzilla kind of is one of those things. Although the original intent of Godzilla obviously is that he is a, a after effect, right. Of our uh, nuclear testing. Right. So it, it's supposed to be like a, a cautionary tale of what we can do, affect the environment, create things that we didn't mean to create uh, because we we're, we're doing things that we really shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, so that's kind of my argument there. Talking about things we probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, I've got a Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon running in the background <laughs> while we're talking from uh, the seventies. Uh, yeah. And, and definitely, you know, that's what Godzilla was always meant to be, you know, to, you know, comment on this idea of, you know, how we are affecting our environment and how potentially, you know, we could eventually face, obviously, the ramifications of that, which, you know, I think to one extent or another, you know, over the years we have, so. 
not not yeah. trying to get political. I'm just saying that it's obvious that we have. So, no, um, I mean the the, the 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 pure basis of Godzilla is you know this idea of the effects of nuclear testing. That's the bottom line. It's nuclear testing, and anybody that's that's you know has any kind of a rational mind knows that nuclear testing can result in catastrophic disasters, right? That's just something that can happen anytime we're using a nuclear device of any kind, whether it's uh, specifically a weapon or even, uh, you know, a power plant or something like that, right? Stuff, bad things can happen. Uh, so th there is definitely that element that, yes, absolutely, we do have to be cautious when we're doing things like that. Does that mean that we don't do them at all? You know, that's, that's, I guess, where you get into more of a political conversation. But as far as that, that, that bigger idea of, yes, we do have to be cautious about these things. And that is a good message. And that's an important message. But that's not really the message in these films, because they, their take on, 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 the, on the Titans, if you will, it has nothing to do really with, you know, nuclear testing or anything like that. You know, John makes a comment. He says, you know, well, since, you know, he, I'm, I'm sure he means Godzilla, is born from a nuke, maybe he does not want that to happen anymore. anymore. But that's not the case in these films, right? Uh, in these films, basically, the the monsters are supposed to be the titans, right? That They're supposed to be the titans of old, right, of Greek mythology. That's what the titans actually were, is these big giant monsters that used to rule the earth, right? Much like dinosaurs, right? So it's a combination of titans and dinosaurs in a lot of ways. Big giant beasts that used to, you know, basically were the the um, the uh, the the top, you know, of the food chain. Basically, they were the the apex predators of their day. They ruled the planet, right? Um, that's the idea right. in this in this uh, Godzilla monster verse. It's not the old idea of we did some bad experiments and we created this thing. Right, right, and um, yeah, it's um. Wow, yeah, I'd forgotten how bad these cartoons are. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah. At least Godzilla finally showed up. This Godzilla finally showed up. Common complaint with the movies. When is Godzilla going to show up? Well, here he is. Even in the I cartoons. I think it's kind of cute. I mean, I think it's kind of cute, honestly. Uh, but uh... yeah. I just think it's kind of funny. It's like even in the cartoons, it took forever for him to show up. So there you go. Um, well, that's, no, that's a yeah. good segue into spoilers. That's a good segue into, right. in, into, into full spoilers. And that's one of the, my biggest issues with this film, actually, was how long it took for the first battle to happen. It was almost 40 minutes into the film. And this film is only like, uh, it's only, it's less than two hours, right? It's like a, it's like, yeah. and by the way, if you put in credits, it's really only like an hour and 45 minutes. If you actually, because the credits are like 10 minutes long. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the actual full running time of the film is like uh, it's like an hour and fifty three minutes, something like that, right? So, and again, ten minutes of that is like is 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 the uh, credits. I mean, literally, yeah. that's how long the credits are, are take forever on this film. Uh, by the way, and there is no after credit scene or anything like that. That really disappointed me that they didn't have because I, I thought this was supposed to be a franchise and we're supposed to get more. So at least we get some indication of where this thing is going. Not that I necessarily. Ooh want to see the next film but i'm just saying yeah, who, who, i would like to got that but who is god's like and, and gonna fight next i mean is he gonna fight gypsy danger from pacific rim is is, is it gonna fight ultraman i mean who, who who's he gonna fight that's the problem right and you and they're yeah. kind of like almost running out of, of of material there even though there's tons and tons more monsters right that we haven't seen uh Plus, there's there's stuff outside of the Godzilla verse. You know, Hon Hon King Kong would be one of them, right? 
King Kong is not part of the traditional Godzilla, you know, universe. So it does open that idea that you could have, you know, other other monsters from other franchises because there are other monsters. The one I always forget his name is the turtle one. Um, he's kind of a he's a competitor of Godzilla in terms of yeah, he, he's quite popular. In fact, I think I liked him more than Godzilla as a kid. He, he, you know, he's a turtle that would fly around. He had like he had like little jets that would. Do you know what, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I for some reason I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I remembered uh, Scott Clark, who I worked with. At you know, we did a bunch of comic projects together. Scott used to talk to to me about how much he that was his favorite, you know, growing up, you know, as a kid. Um, why can't I remember the name of that turtle? Um, but I know the one you're talking here. about. Same yeah. here. I liked him more than Godzilla, and I, in my mind, as a kid. Because I saw them in the same context, they were in these like after Saturday morning cartoon movies, right? These Saturday morning movies. I always thought that they like were part of the same universe and they fought each other. And no, they were completely different franchises. And basically, he was a rival in terms like a, an actual real rival of Godzilla in terms of market share. And they didn't fight each other. They didn't interact. Right. With each other. So I would love to see him show up. I think that would be kind of cool because, again, you have this precedent that you did have Kong, and Kong's not part of that, that universe per se either. It would be kind of neat to actually have them finally meet and actually fight. Although I don't know how, how many people – I don't know how people would react to him, you know, because you know, the whole thing is he flies basically like a jet. Like his, his legs will come into the turtle shell, and then they become like jets, and he flies around. Like that. Right, so yeah. I don't know how people – I loved it as a kid. I love that character uh gamera there we go right john saying it's Gamera. yeah 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 uh, i would love to see i think he was a lot of fun in fact again i think i as a kid i know i liked him more than godzilla i think because of the way he flew around although i i so i do remember there were some godzilla movies where godzilla could fly and he basically yeah. would use the the he would just use that you know his flame or whatever laser whatever it is that comes out of his mouth right and he would fly that way again like a jet engine <laughs> and that's it he would fly backwards so that was a lot of fun too but uh i don't know these well, movies don't have that kind of fun well and it's like i feel like that in all honesty because i remember when i went and saw godzilla king of the monsters i remember as we were leaving the movie theater i was like going it's like you guys have kind of done everything. Like, what, what, <laughs> what is there? I mean, I knew they were going to do a Godzilla versus Kong, but at the same point, I'm like going, "Man, Ghidorah was such a, such an adversary." You know what I mean? It's like how I don't understand. Like, how is Kong supposed to even stand a chance? You know what I mean? Especially after the the new abilities that Godzilla exhibits, you know, in that film. Because I assumed he would still have those abilities moving forward into this movie. So you know. Khan got really lucky that he couldn't do some of the stuff he was doing towards the end of uh, Godzilla versus, uh, I mean, you know, King of the Monsters because Godzilla, Khan wouldn't even remotely stood a chance, you know? If he was doing that weird atomic radiating energy thing, I mean, Khan wouldn't have been able to get near him, you know? I, so, I did kind of like that they, to me, they did kind of show that Kong is weaker than Godzilla and he kind of was able to hold his own more because of that axe, you know? Uh, I did kind of like that. I thought I thought that kind of made at least a little bit of sense because it, they did. It did seem to me that that Kong, even in the film, was overmatched by Godzilla. And of course, that's also I think why they decided to introduce their version of Mecha Godzilla, uh, which I know there's a lot of controversy about him. Um, I've heard some people that didn't like the design of Mecha Godzilla uh, because, you know, the the, the original Mecha Godzilla is sort of a classic kind of fun you know, almost goofy, but, but really fun, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, iconic, iconic thing. I personally didn't dislike the, the, the design of Mechagodzilla. I did think he was kind of cool. 
Um, very, very Transformers. Very Transformers. I mean, very influenced by Transformers, very obviously. Um, but I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, but I do think that they what they did was they kind of made it like, you know, Kong really is not a good match for Godzilla. So that's almost why, like, to me, it's like that's why they had to have Mechagodzilla. Although I didn't, I didn't necessarily like their version of Mechagodzilla, like, like the fact that I didn't like the fact that he was uh, somehow he became sentient. I thought that was kind of stupid. That didn't make any sense because that's not what a mecha is, right? A mecha has a pilot. Uh, you know, otherwise he would be just a big giant robot, uh, which is it's kind of funny because initially the one character, the the stupid podcast guy, he's all like, "Oh, it's it's a robot Godzilla," and then the other guys, "No, it's mecha Godzilla," you know. Um, but, uh, which is like, how would he know that term? But anyway, uh, <laughs> cause obviously we know that cause we've seen the movies. Obviously I don't think they have Godzilla movies and when you have a real Godzilla, but who knows? I don't know. Uh, but, but it, what did you think about Mechagodzilla? What did you think about Mechagodzilla in this film? Well, I kept waiting for Mechagodzilla to start talking. Didn't he used to talk? I thought he said stuff like, like me, Grimlock, stop Godzilla. <laughs> like that's it. He doesn't <laughs> <Me> talk. <laughs> me, Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did I'll be honest with you. I like I said, I didn't hate this movie, but it just was like a Transformers movie to me. And it's I, I couldn't get past no, you're it. Right. I get past that. So when that's all I could think of is like I like this version of Grimlock better than the than the other Transformers movie. So John had a question I'm, and maybe you have the answer to this, Dave, because I'm not that into this this franchise, to be honest. Honest, and he says, "Don't remember, but has Rodan been any in any of these movies yet? Has Rodan been in these movies yet?" Yeah, Rodan was uh, actually a part of uh, King of the Monsters. Rodan actually was in the in the uh, in the film. Rodan actually sort of like um, falls under the influence or agrees to help or subjugates itself or whatever to actually Ghidorah. Because in the final battle in King of the Monsters, which, I, John, if you haven't seen King of the Monsters, I definitely, that one's kind of fun. I would recommend that one over Godzilla vs. Kong. But um, in, in that one, um, Rodan actually basically um, teams up with uh, Ghidorah against um, basically Godzilla. That's one of the, the turn because supposedly just like in this, when they talk about this idea of a hierarchy, you know, uh, alphas in charge, you know what I mean? Type of thing and them fighting right. for supremacy and, and dominance. So that's definitely the, the underpinning thing of uh, King of the monsters. Um, but no, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Rodan is actually in uh, King of the monsters featured pretty prominently. The design of Rodan is pretty cool too. I mean, that's the thing. I just, I, I kept thinking because I literally I had just rewatched King of the Monsters before watching this one. That's all I could think of. It's like I think I like King of the Monsters better. That's interesting. I, I don't know which one. I, I, I remember really kind of hating King of the Monsters. Um, I didn't like the whole thing with the, the mom, you know, basically getting with this terrorist group that wanted to destroy the world and all that. I, I just thought that was really stupid. I, I, it reminded me a lot of the like the worst sort of environmental terrorists that are out there. You know, and it, it, I don't know, maybe it's a little too close to home or something like that. Um, they, they don't get as much press, as I guess, as they used to. But, man, uh, I, I, I'm i sorry. I just don't want anything to do with those kind of people. So um, maybe that, that that was part of it. I mean, I think a lot of the characters are just annoying. Uh, that, that's also, the, you know, the the, the the teenage girl. She's kind of annoying. I mean, she 
she is annoying. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know a lot of people like her from uh, Stranger Things. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I've never seen Stranger Things, so I don't know if she's good in that or not, but I don't think she's good in the Godzilla movies. Um, John well, does clarify, uh, going back to Gamera, he, he said that Gamera and Godzilla have always uh, been owned by different companies and their films are set in different universes. No, they're not from the same universe. And John, yes, I, I did know that. As a kid, I did not know that. As a kid, I always thought that they were part of the same universe and I, I in my mind, they fought each other. You know, but uh, that's I, I, I came later as an adult to realize that was just in my mind, because, again, I was watching the films in the same context. I was watching them on Saturday morning. So in my child childhood memory mind, it was like, oh, yeah, they were in the same movies and stuff. But because this movie does have Kong, who is not from that same universe either, but is part of this new universe, I guess you would call it. Uh, I have that hope that maybe they would have some version of uh, Gamera in the future. That that might bring me back if they had if they did bring uh, Gamera in. I think that would be kind of cool. I, I would enjoy that. I, I well, I would I would I would look forward to. It. I don't know if I will actually enjoy their execution of it, but I, I would actually maybe actually check out another one of these movies. Um, at this point, I'm kind of like uh, unless my kids want to watch it, I, I don't. I, I think I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unless unless you know, all of a sudden they somehow sign a deal so that Ultraman shows up, you know what I mean, and somehow cool. you know, yeah, or they could have I, the, I, uh, the the uh, Japanese version of Spider Man. That would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, the Power no Power Rangers no no me Grimlock no 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 sorry sorry <laughs> me go there again sorry. I love every that. time I think of Mechagodzilla, that's all I as every time it was on screen, that's all I could hear in my head is. Me, Grimlock, no like monsters. So, but well, one of the things that I thought, you know, for me, I, I know there's different versions of Mecha Godzilla. There's different origins of Mecha Godzilla. Like I think in one version, he's he's basically controlled by aliens who want to take over the Earth and see Godzilla as their only big impediment. But then there's another version, I, I believe, of, of Mecha Godzilla, where the idea is that this is the you know basically the Japanese Defense Forces answer to Godzilla. It's like it's controlled by humans and, and they're using it as a, um, you know, as a protector. And I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, and in this context, what they did instead was Mechagodzilla is the creation of this evil corporation. Right. Uh, and, and this, 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 this evil, you know, CEO basically that, that wants to control the world or something. I mean, I, I don't really even understand what his motivation really is, but, but he has to be evil. Because just cause, because they, they won't go there with Godzilla or Kong and just say, no, they're the ones that are causing all the problems. Um, it, to me, it would seem completely, you know, almost logical in that circumstance that she would create something like Mecha Godzilla to counter the monsters that are just every once in a while destroying whole cities and killing millions of people, which that is never addressed in any of these films. It's like the main characters could care less about every single other human being on the planet. Uh, it really goes back to the to the mom, I guess, you know, da daughters like mother, right? She doesn't give a crap about all these other people, even though she did in the other movie. That was her big her big thing was like, oh, I can't believe we're letting all these people die. That's not right. Now she doesn't seem to care. And all these people can die. Uh, you know, Godzilla is a good guy. No, he's not. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing is Godzilla. Like you said, I think Godzilla really should be viewed more as like a force of nature and just like forces of nature, like earthquakes, hurricanes. Uh, volcanoes. These are not things that we regard as necessarily good, right? You know, and their effects are actually quite bad. And so what we do is we try to insulate ourselves from their effects, right? We either avoid them or we create, you know, structures, we create, uh, uh, 
um, you know, uh, uh, bunkers and things like that, right, to, to, so that we can survive these things. But Godzilla is still ultimately a creature, right? So it's more akin to like, you know, dangerous wild animals or something like that, right? So when it comes to dangerous wild animals, sometimes you got to put them down, right? I mean, that's the ultimate what you got to do. You either got to capture them or you got to put them down. And if you can't do either one of those things, right, you, you still have to try to find some other way to mitigate that. And just from a practical aspect, it seems to me that you would need that. So and, John and, said and Disney will probably. Yeah, <laughs> Disney will probably the, buy Disney, the rights. Yeah, <laughs> Disney will buy the rights and, and add him to the Avengers. So <laughs> I agree with you, John. This is another way that we can mitigate the, the, the disaster that Godzilla causes. It's just like at one point, the Avengers had the Hulk on the team in the comic books to keep an eye on the Hulk because, you know, someone needed to do it. You know, the Avengers could do the same thing. Godzilla can join the Avengers, and the Avengers can keep an eye on Godzilla. <laughs> you know? Why, why not, right? Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, unfortunately, for the, that, that's my whole thing. It's like, you know, so far, um, I think of the HBO Max releases that I've watched at home, you know, um, I say I think the Snyder Cut of the Justice League is probably the my, my favorite thing. At, well, at least like a set of eel, doesn't it? Um, it does. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, for me, um, I think that the Snyder Cut is probably the best thing I've seen on HBO Max of these new things that they've released to release specifically, right? So, um, yeah. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> well, John says, you know. Put him down. But he's Godzilla. No, and I, I agree with that. It's like it, it, it. I think generally what they do is they trap him, right? That's generally how they defeat Godzilla and most of the other movies is because you don't want to kill him because then you ruin the franchise, right? So <laughs> you know they generally like trap him or something like that. So I get that. I get that. But to me, it makes sense just from the standpoint of having something to mitigate Godzilla and King Kong and all these other monsters. Remember, these other monsters are still around. Because there's that scene, you know, from the previous film where they bow to Godzilla. So they're still out there, right? And they can go haywire any point they want to as well. So it would seem to me that you would want to have something to mitigate that, to deal with that, other than just trust Godzilla is going to do the right thing. Yeah, I, I would not be in that camp. You know what I mean? That's that's ridiculous. That's absolutely well, and ridiculous. It, <laughs> and it makes me wonder if originally they had a different plan for this. Because if you think about it, if, if we had had like another Godzilla movie, like, you know, not King of the Monsters, but could have been Godzilla versus Rodan, right? Or Godzilla versus one of these other creatures. We And we had Kong of Skull Island. Maybe we had another Kong movie. And in that one, you know, Kong basically ended up, you know, locking horns or fighting with like a nuclear powered one. And that causes him to get bigger. You know what I mean? Like, because of oh, exposure like to the radiation. You know, and kind of like again, like talking about Avengers, maybe take a little bit more time to build up to this, and maybe, yes. you know, you you could have you could have had a Godzilla versus Kong, right? And one they could have fought to a stalemate, and then the big finale movie. You know, maybe after you do three movies or four movies of this, and three or four, you know, three or four movies of Godzilla, three or four movies of Kong, and then you have King of the Monsters, and then Rodan shows up from out of space. And then Godzilla and Kong have to team up to try and stop Rodan because Rodan, as he was in King of the Monsters, was pretty powerful. You know what I mean? And and so I feel like I feel like it's just taking a little bit more time. 
you know what I mean? Um, and, and kind of structuring it a little bit differently, you know what I mean? We could have built up to all this and, and just filled in some gaps. Because I felt like this this movie, too, one of my complaints with this, I thought the magical axe was just kind of like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? It was just, I, I, I mean, I get it. You got to give him some kind of a weapon because, you know, but it was just sort of like, there's a, you know, there's a charging station in the floor. It goes into, you charge it up. Now it's ready to use. It was just, you know, just, you know what I mean? Yeah, that <laughs> like, was kind of stupid. I, I, I just thought the basic idea was that Kong just can't match Godzilla. So he needed something to help him. And, and I did, I did agree with that because I do, I do think it doesn't make any sense. I think Kong would totally get his ass kicked by Godzilla. That's just, just my, I guess my, my fan expectation or my fan thing. That's, that's what I would think, you know, um, is that, that he would, and they kind of did that. I mean, he did kind of get his ass kicked by Godzilla. I mean, he basically dies. They have to restart his heart. They, they actually use a craft to defibrillate him, defibrillate him or whatever. So, which I thought was really stupid, but Hey, that's what they did. Uh, there's a lot of stupid things in this movie. Um, and you don't really expect necessarily. It's not like you don't, I don't, I don't come into a movie like this expecting everything to make sense. But when, when the human characters are just so unlikable, it, it does make it kind of, kind of tough, you know, to, to be, to be kind and to basically kind of have that suspension of disbelief because you're already like, I don't like these people. And for 40 minutes, this is basically all I got was just these morons. And I'm like, I don't care about these people. I really don't. You know what I mean? They, they, they weren't doing it for me. And I do want to mention this. I do want to mention this. Um, I do think personally, from my point of view, this would have been much better to watch in the movie theater. Um, I, for the way that they, they just, the way that this movie displayed on my screen was it did the, the, the black, on the bottom and the top. So it didn't actually fill the entire screen. I have a 67 or no, 65 inch uh, screen. So pretty, pretty decent size, but it used the black bars on the top and the bottom. And also I was having a problem with the volume. The, the, at some point the volume just wouldn't go up anymore. Um, and I, I think that's something with HBO Max's streaming that I've, I've noticed before. They have some sort of volume cap or something i don't know what it is it's really weird because i i don't get that with other streaming services i don't get that with over the air you know using my antenna you know i can crank that thing up like i mean it almost sounds like surround sound and i don't have surround sound i've got th this tv has good speakers the one that i have um so i have i, I do want to mention that i think a movie like this is meant to be seen in the theater and that might have made it a little bit better uh, especially for me if i had seen it in the theater as opposed to watching it at home me Grimlock. sorry sorry I, I just can't stop doing that all right so uh yeah no it was weird because we had the volume issue too i thought it was i thought it was just us i think it's, had, it's an hbo max Mike, problem i've noticed Mike was like can you turn it up and i'm like i think it is yeah so it's, yeah it, 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 they, have, they do like a cap or something like like because we're gonna blow our eardrums out or something you know i don't know what yeah. it is it's it, it's 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 really weird um john mentions that what they need to do is redo the their gargant gargantuans I, I do. Think I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest. You lost me, John. Unfortunately. Um, you know, they, they were kind of like these, as I remember, they were kind of like these kind of ape-like creatures or whatever. That's what they were. Well, I mean, I when we were going to, we were there were because in the movie they do a version again. It's spoiler talk. So um, in the movie they do a version of like where they go, they do journey to the center of the earth, right? Like, and and there's a a whole different world at the center of the earth, and that's supposedly where Kong his you know creatures people whatever you want to call it came from is is from there and 
he's got a throne down there and he's got an axe with a charging station. And, you know, so he, <laughs> and I kept thinking it was like, are they going to, like when he was going there, I was like, are we going to find like a ship and we're going to discover that Kong and his people were maybe something that an alien race experimented on? You know what I mean? And maybe that's why Godzilla doesn't like Kong because supposedly Godzilla didn't like Ghidorah because Ghidorah was not from Earth, right? Like that's what they told us in King of the Monsters. So I kept thinking there was going to be some kind of connection, you know, to this idea, right? That somehow Kong is connected to an alien thing. Maybe their people were experiment people, their creatures, and they were experimented upon, whatever, you know. So I just thought it was really strange. You know what I mean? And and it and I oh, didn't yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't feel like that they had their again, I haven't seen every Godzilla thing and I haven't seen every, you know, King Kong thing, but I really felt like that they really didn't have this completely figured out. You know what I mean? Oh, and, I don't think and, they have any idea. I, I don't think they and have it, as far as like the mythology goes, I think they have yeah. no idea what they're doing. They're just sort of grabbing whatever they think will work at the time and and then they just kind of roll with it. Uh, John asks, um, so so it did not follow the original film at the end. So I guess in the original film, Kong swims away, and we don't know where Godzilla goes or he is dead. In other words, we don't know if Godzilla is dead or alive. By the way, I've never seen the original um, Kong uh, versus uh, Godzilla. I've never seen that one. I want to, uh, but but I, I've never actually seen that. In this one, basically what happens is that um, uh, King Kong and Godzilla end up becoming friends and fighting Mechagodzilla. They destroy Mechagodzilla, and then Godzilla just leaves. And Kong is still there, and eventually Kong is put back in the, the hollow earth. He's put back in the center of the earth, and that's where he goes. Uh, I didn't like that. Um, I had thought I had thought in the marketing of this film, they said we would get a definitive winner. I could have sworn in the marketing of this film that was put out there by the director, by somebody, that we would get a definitive win. And I, I, I was really kind of thinking because of the stuff I heard, I thought one was going to die. I mean, that, that would, that's the thing that would make the most sense that that's the most definitive way to establish it. Now it is established in the film that Godzilla is overmatched by God. I think, I'm sorry, King Kong is overmatched by Godzilla. I think that's pretty well established in the film without that little power ax. He wouldn't have even stood a chance. And even with the power ax, he, he ends up dying. Like his heart stops. They actually have to start his heart back up again, but I, that's cheesy. Uh, th that's the, the biggest thing that I really hate about this film is it's called Godzilla versus Kong. We wanted to see the, 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 the monster that's crowned the king, so to speak, and that didn't happen. Uh, I, I was really disappointed in that. Did you have a take Me, on Grimlock that? Grimlock think two on one, not fair. <laughs> Did you have a take on that? Because I, I felt like that was part of the marketing that they said we would get a definitive winner and we didn't. Well, the movie starts with a bracket. It, it, that's a bracket. It gets you down. Like, it's just like doing the sports bracket. And at the end, it's it's obviously Godzilla versus Kong. And I'm like, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Who, who all did Kong defeat again? Like, at least we've had, you know, three Godzilla movies. We'll, they only gave us the one Kong of Skull Island movie. So it's like, we know that he killed what they call the Skull Crawlers or whatever it was they were called. Which we saw yeah. those again in the movie briefly. Um, and they seem to be related to that creature that the you know Godzilla fought in the first Godzilla movie that had the Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad, in, which I kind of like that movie. I know a lot of people their complaint was they felt like that you know the, you didn't get enough Godzilla, and when he showed up, he was on screen very briefly, right? Um, so 
you know, I I didn't really hate that movie. I thought that movie was kind of fun. So, um, yeah, it was it was strange. But no, the, the, this movie very clearly ends, you know, with it, it's sort of like they kind of agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I hated that. And Godzilla, Godzilla leaves and and Kong is there with the, the magical power axe power up anyhow so he's got his magical power axe and i guess he's gonna i don't know set up <laughs> shop somewhere or go I, I think they show him returning to the center of the earth because that's where his charge right he should, is. returns to the center of the earth and to address what yep. john was asking here too he says so they did not get kong from the island that is stupid no they did get kong from the island originally yeah. he was on skull island uh he's actually like in a prison and that's another thing that i thought was kind of interesting was in my mind, I'm thinking if they can sedate and they can imprison Kong, how in any way is he a match for Godzilla? Because they can't do that to Godzilla. So I was yeah. kind of like, this is kind of stupid to begin with, isn't it? Like the whole logic doesn't doesn't make any sense because if we can control Kong to some extent, but we can't control Godzilla, obviously Godzilla is stronger than Kong. And he was stronger. I mean, I, I, I will say that he was stronger, but but it makes the whole thing kind of stupid. And again, no definitive winner. I mean, one of them should have either died or bowed. That's that. That yeah. would be the definitive win. Either one of them bows, like like the monsters did in, in the other movie, right? In the um, you know King of Monsters, right? Uh, the, the 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 monsters essentially bow to Godzilla, or they're dead, right? That's basically what happens, and that's what should have happened in this. That's my biggest criticism. Um, well. I guess it's my main criticism. I have a lot of criticisms of this film, but uh, th that. It's Godzilla versus Kong, so I want a definitive winner, one way or another. And we didn't get that. The, the Godzilla and Kong becoming friends is stupid. I'm sorry, that's just dumb. Well, I I don't have a problem with the let's be friends. You know, um, I'll keep my me Grimlock thing in check. I started to do it again, <laughs> but um, you know, I I don't have any problems with them being friends. It's just you know my my again my problem with this. If it's called Godzilla versus Kong. How are they supposed to be friends? That doesn't make sense to me. You know, then know. why call it Godzilla the... versus Kong? I mean, even yeah. you know, one thing you can say about Super Batman versus Superman is Batman did kill Superman. So essentially, you know what I mean. So it's like, I mean, they, they I guess they kind of became friends a little bit later or whatever. But at least you know Superman died. You know, uh, and and I hate that film, but I, I'll give it that. Right, at least it's definitive for what it is. Right, it's supposed to be this matchup. Right, and and even though it's kind of more complicated because you know, uh, uh, gosh, what's he's called the Doomsday. Right, Doomsday gets involved. Yeah, in Doomsday all that kind of stuff. Right. Spo but, spoiler but alert. Is, what's that? <laughs> I said spoiler alert. You're doing what I normally do. Ah, uh, well, we're in spoilers. We're we're in spoiler territory. We're, yeah, okay. but you're talking about Batman v Superman. Keep going. Well, we just had the other Kong spoiled. I didn't know about. The, I, I just said I never saw the original Kong, and and John spoiled that for me. So we, we, we're just rolling at this point. All <laughs> so, right. All right. <laughs> um, but but my point is is that there's a definitive. There's something definitive there, right? Yeah. Uh, Superman dies, uh, it, it, but in this there isn't, and it's called Godzilla versus Kong. So if it's called you know Godzilla and Kong, or called you know Godzilla meets Kong. You know, which you know, something like that, then you can go there, right? You can go any way you want in, in that circumstance. But if it's going to be called Godzilla versus Kong, I expect a definitive winner. Right, right. Well, I I don't have much else to say about Godzilla versus Kong. Um, 
So I mean, because I I think I've you know me Grimlock. Sorry, um, <laughs> you know <laughs> I like the me Grimlock. I'm I'm totally down with the me Grimlock. <laughs> I like I said, you know, that that is my ultimate thing with this movie is that it just it, like I said, it's it it just felt like a Transformers movie, you know. Like I said, at least they did a better job of Grimlock in this one than they did in the actual Transformers movie. And and John says he's sorry. And, and John, I was just having a little fun there. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, really, like totally spoil it. For you me know, whatever, but I I know exactly what Godzilla versus Kong needed. Do you know what it is, Eric? I do, I do, I absolutely do. More Picard, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Godzilla versus Kong needed more Picard. That's the exactly, irony of that is that's the missing. Was, that's what was missing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. If they had just had this bitter old man, you know what I mean? That would have been awesome. This bitter incompetent yeah, old man exactly that, that would have made it, that would have really made it cool. I, that, that would have made it a lot more enjoyable. I, I, I have to agree with you that that's what this film was missing. You needed more. I, I, but I, I don't think, I don't think they would have brought Kong back though. They would have started <laughs> to do the defibrillator and then Picard would have pulled the plug. <laughs> he would have pulled the flag. Yeah, that's how it would have ended. Then we'd have a definitive winner. That's right. Then, then everybody be, Godzilla everybody wins. Be happy. We'd have a definitive winner. See. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's funny they dropped so much Star Trek news, and that'll probably be the only Star Trek reference this entire episode. Everybody, I, I, I have one. Depending on time, it's not like a, holy cow. For me, but I, I do have something from this deluge of uh, new Trek garbage, but. I felt it was at least worth talking about, but wow. it depends I, on, I'm on how we do with everything else. But yeah, I'm shocked. You're, I, I was, th this is the only mention of <laughs> Star Trek I'm going to make tonight. So <laughs> yeah, right. I hear that. I hear that. Okay. So unless anyone in the rogues gallery has any more questions or comments in relation to Godzilla versus Kong, me Grimlock think this is done and we should, <laughs> That was the worst one I've done. Me, Grimlock, did this done. Yeah, so it's better. So I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know? I, it was just, that was all I could think of. It was like it was over with. And I was just like, yeah, this is just like one of those Transformers movies. It's just the same thing. No, I agree. I don't know. I agree. So. Yeah, th th there's not much added to this. There's not much added value or anything like that. It's, I wish I wish they would just focus on the monsters and just the destruction and the battles. And I really don't give a crap about the human. You know what I would like is actually seeing like normal people reacting to all this. The people that are actually dying and in peril and that kind of stuff. Um, and who basically aren't taking a side one way or the other. They're just stuck in the middle of this fight. I think that would be a much more interesting aspect, you know, from the human perspective to explore than these stupid cheesy characters that are stock characters and don't make any narrative sense. Say so you did you didn't like the mysterious hidden bullet train to China? Yeah, I was like, what what is what the hell is this? You know, that <laughs> come on, you know, this <laughs> but the but the whole thing, the whole the whole idea of the uh. I, I, I'm so sick of of the dumb kids that are able to always infiltrate like these top secret you know, heavily guarded installations. This is, that is the stupidest thing. Seriously, that's the stupidest thing. I, and you see it so often in, in a lot of these movies. And, it, and after a while, you're just like, come on. Can't we figure out some other way to involve them, you know, if, you, if that's what you want to do? Because I understand maybe, you know, they're trying to 
appeal to a younger audience. I get that completely because as a kid, I, I might have really liked this film. And so I totally understand that. And I have kids and I have kids that like these films. So I, I get wanting to maybe put some young people into it, kids, teenagers, all that kind of stuff. But come on, figure out a good way to put them in instead of this, this stupid cheesy thing where they infiltrate these top secret facilities with armed guards and everything like that. Come on. That's just ridiculous. But we, we, we've seen it too many times. Baby Godzilla. <laughs> I actually saw that uh, one of the baby Godzilla films uh, recently. I think it was son of Godzilla on Comet. I thought that he's pretty cute. <laughs> baby Godzilla, well, son of Godzilla, pretty, pretty cute. The, the animated thing that we were watching earlier, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the late seventies, that was Godzuki um, that was in there, that little small Godzilla and, I think Godzuki was somehow related to Godzilla. It's been so long since I've seen those. I don't remember exactly, but and then well, of course Godzilla there was, was the, pretty, pretty, pretty cute. I, I saw that yeah, like I said yeah. recently, and I thought that was pretty cute. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like again, um, it's it's amazing to me that they've managed to, you know, I guess pull at least as many films off as they pulled off, and and this. Monsterverse thing. I mean, you know, uh, Universal had their crazy. Uh, you know, monster universe thing they wanted to do, and they they barely got through one movie before it all exploded. Yeah, that, that is a you know this and, this franchise has been pretty successful. Yeah, you know, so yeah, you got to give it to them for that. Obviously, they have an audience. I told you three reviews that I did. You know, I checked out before, and they were all positive. Essentially, they all liked it. I was really shocked, honestly, after watching the film, and was like, really? But hey, yeah, they, I I was too. These movies. Yeah, there's, there's, I I saw an audience for them. Yeah, I John saw quite says, a few of those. John says they are all so bad. <laughs> but the thing is about the, the the older original Godzilla movies is like they're, they're, there's a lot of cheese, but it's fun. You know what I mean? To me, it's fun. And I like I like the guy in a big suit in this crazy, awesome, you know, basically model of a city destroying it. There's something really cool about that to me that I really like. And of course, you can't do that in CGI. That doesn't happen in CGI anymore. It becomes kind of silly. You know the, the things that they do because there's, there's no actual physics involved. The one thing about the old way they used to do it was there was actual physics involved because they had they built an actual set and then the guy would go in there and actually destroy it. You know now it's just all make believe. Well, yeah, and I um I think for me, um, this movie just illustrates, you know, which is ironic. Um, as how much to me, like I enjoyed Pacific Rim. Um, I, I didn't realize, you know what I mean? Like, like I own Pacific Rim and I've, you know, rewatched it a couple of times, you know what I mean? But I just think as far as this kaiju battling thing, I just think Pacific Rim is, is kind of more fun, you know? And, and because when I think back on the, these kind of movies, I enjoyed the most, you know, I think of, you know, Johnny Sacco and his giant robot. I, I think of Ultraman. Like I think of those where it's a human driving, you know, some kind of a, a robot or whatever battling the creatures. You know what I mean? Like, I liked Godzilla as a kid, but, you know, it's just I prefer, you know, where it's humanity fighting against this, you know, thing. You know what I mean? That's invading the planet. So it's funny because um, um, that's kind of what I've been thinking. I, I think I want to rewatch Pacific Rim. So. Yeah, you could even talk about, like, reference Voltron or something like that. You know, that, Yeah, Voltron's that, awesome. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I grew up on. Uh, both of them, actually. I watched both. I, I like. I was one of the rare people that liked both 
uh, shows. In fact, I think I actually liked the uh, vehicle of Ultron better than I liked the the tiger, yeah. the, the lion one. Um, so, uh, and, and it's always gets a lot of hate for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, because I think that was actually a much better show uh, than, than the than the lion one. But the aesthetic, right? I think people just really like the lion aesthetic and all that kind of stuff. And, and they just like that Voltron. Like they just like the way he looked and everything like that. But Hey, I'm I'm there. You know, giant giant robots fighting giant monsters is always, I think, kind of a cool idea. But somehow they can still mess it up. <laughs> you know, somehow they find a way to mess it up. You know, it's, it, John says, you know, it, it's it, it it's fun, right? And that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. You know, more than anything else. I mean, the original Godzilla, I think, was very political. Uh, but at, at the bottom line is all the all the film since it really is about the fun of, of, of kind of making this a fun thing because it is fictional. Right. But then right. when they try to try to add like these these really silly plot lines and things like that. And uh, I just I just can't get into it. No. Yeah. And I you know, that's kind of the thing, I think, for me, is that um, I also was a vehicle force um you know, uh, Voltron fan more than the, the Lion Force. Um, I liked the Lion Force a lot, but I preferred the vehicle one because it just seemed like they had more of an obvious mission and they had their teams and each one had a specialization. Like, you know, you had the underwater team, the air team, the land team. Like, I liked all that stuff. I thought that was a lot of fun. I really liked the vehicle, uh, Voltron. A matter of fact, there's been a couple different times I've actually tried to actually purchase one of the old Matchbox vehicle Voltrons, but they're just so expensive and it never seems, and it seems like whenever I find one, like it's missing something or it's missing some pieces or, you know, it, it won't stand up. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, if, if I can't stand it up and, and look at it, then what's the point of it? You know? So. Yeah. That, that one does have some trouble. I had one and it does have some trouble obviously because his feet are vans. You they're, know, cars. They're, cars. Yeah, they're cars. Exactly. <laughs> they're wheels. So it does make that, that does make it a little tough as far as the design and everything. Yeah, you, you want him to fight monsters. You don't want to recreate the the ending sequence from Xanadu. <laughs> and it's interesting because John brings up a good point. He says that you know it it it's like watching an old World War II movie, and then and when watching Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, John says ruins the old movies. You know, for him and and I can see, you know and I can see that it, it's interesting. Saving Private Ryan is actually on. Netflix right now, um, and I was actually rewatching it uh, just the other night while I was working on some stuff, um, and I had it on, and it's such a great movie, you know. Um, and that's the thing too; it's like it, it, it. You watch some of the other World War II films, um, and it is interesting, you know what I mean? The, the difference between them in terms of the quality, the storytelling, you know, the stakes. You know, even though you think the stakes would be the same, you know what I mean? There's a lot of power to Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic movie, but it doesn't take for me. It doesn't take anything away from the older films. I still like a lot of the older films uh, quite a bit. A lot of the old uh, World War II films. Uh, uh, sometimes some of the ones that aren't necessarily all that popular either. Um, I, I really enjoy. There's there's uh, there's one um, there's a Baton movie, uh, and I can't, I always want to call it back to Baton, but I think that's the one that John Wayne did, and the one that I really like actually has Desi Arnaz in it, and that's that's an awesome film in my personal opinion, that's a really, really good film because it's about the fall of the Philippines. So it's very dark and it was actually made during the war, which I think is also really interesting. All right. Very cool. 
I think uh, John kind of has the last point on this. I think it's very true. Um, you can ruin anything if you do it right. <laughs> and sometimes you can ruin something, John, because you don't know when to stop it. Like, me, Grimlock, don't know when to stop. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I like the me, Grimlock. But that's, yeah, just, uh, that would be, more, like that would be more entertaining than I think than, than, that I ended up watching. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember being excited to go see the Transformers movie that had the Dinobots in it. I was so disappointed because it just was, I don't know, they missed the whole point of the Dinobots. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we've like, talked about that. A lot of times, yeah. you know, Hollywood totally misses what makes something cool. They just totally just, they just miss it. They just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right, cool. Are we good, uh, we think, to go ahead and move on to our next segment? Yeah, are we doing uh, Collector's collector's Corner? Yeah, let's do Collector's Corners next. All righty. All right, very cool. So here in uh, Collector's Corner, we talk about interesting things that we find and we think you might enjoy adding to your personal collection, things you might actually think might be fun to actually have as this, maybe even a speculation investment, um, just different things, primarily focusing on comics, occasionally, you know, action figures and toys, all different kinds of collectibles. That's what we like to talk about here in the collector's corner. So um, as always, we always have a, a comic book focus for the collector's corner because comic books is something obviously I'm pretty well versed having collected them, you know, my entire life, but also secondly, actually having worked in the comic industry as well. So these are the selections for tonight's um, show. There is a theme. Um, our potential investment pick actually for this evening is kind of a tie. I did pick these kind of all thinking that might be interesting speculation, you know, investment type things. Um, but there is a theme, but there's kind of a tie here between, between two of these. Um, so what we have here, um, the one that I think of in my mind anyway, is the obvious, um, speculation play is actually, a spec uh, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man number 22 from 1978. This is the first time that Spider-Man actually meets and battles Moon Knight. Of course, Moon Knight is a Disney Plus show we're going to be getting here pretty soon. Um, there's been videos uh, actually of Oscar Isaac, who's going to be playing Mark Spector, a.k.a. the Moon Knight, actually training for the film. There's, I mean, the Disney Plus series. I'm very excited for that. As everyone knows, I'm a big Moon Knight fan. Um, so this is the uh, one of the books I wanted to highlight this evening. Again, Spectacular Spider-Man 22 from 1978. Again, this is the first time that Spider-Man and Moon Knight meet and battle. Now, the thing I think is interesting about this is because we do have Spider-Man in the MCU and the Disney Plus shows are obviously tied into the MCU, I think there might be a chance that we might see Moon Knight meet Spider-Man and possibly even see Moon Knight actually battle Spider-Man at some point. I thought that might be kind of fun. So mm -hmm. that... That, in my mind, is the obvious speculation thing here for this evening. But again, the other aspect of this, too, is we like to highlight books that you can pick up for $20. So um, you can find copies for this uh, all different different places. Um, and again, typically, you can get it for $20 or less. Um, so I find this to be an interesting sort of speculation play. Now, the next one, this is actually um, Giant Size Spider-Man and the Punisher. This is number four, or actually Giant Size Spider-Man number four. This is the fourth, uh, it's ironic, it's either the fourth or the fifth appearance of the Punisher. I think of it as the fourth. Um, and this is a highly undervalued early key Punisher book. Again, this is uh, uh, you know his fourth appearance. And it's interesting too, because um, he actually uh, uh, has another run-in with Spider-Man. 
But it's interesting because you can pick up copies of this book like really, really affordably. Um, a lot of other Punisher key books you can't pick up as affordable. Um, but this is just an interesting book to have in the collection. Um, it's a fun story. Um, but uh, this is the second one. And this is the one that's kind of tied with uh, Spectacular Spider-Man as sort of like the my speculation play. But this is Giant Size Spider-Man number four from 1974. And our last one for this evening, this is Punisher Annual, annual uh, number two from 1989. Um, this is actually the first time that Moon Knight and the Punisher actually meet and battle. Um, and this is a really fun book. It's got a great cover. Um, and uh, this is just, I just find it interesting. So these are kind of, um, uh, the theme here is Punisher and Moon Knight. <laughs> didn't figure that out. That's the theme. Um, but um, I just thought it's interesting. So I... Yeah, I was trying to figure out like an interesting angle for Moon Knight because a lot of the Moon Knight books are kind of starting to skyrocket, like they're going up pretty fast. And yeah. I wanted to continue to highlight Moon Knight books. So the way to look at it was, well, let's look at the first time Moon Knight meets and battles this person. Let's look at the first time Moon Knight meets and battles this other person. And in the midst of that, I had forgotten about um, this early Punisher book, The Giant Size Spider-Man number four. Um, and you can pick them up, like I said, relatively inexpensively. And, and so these are kind of interesting books to add to the personal collection. Interesting books if you can get good, decent copies of them, maybe to actually get them graded and, and hold on to them, you know, maybe as a long-term uh, investment play. Again, these are just my suggestions. I'm obviously not giving you any kind of serious financial advice because we're talking about comic books, right? But these are interesting books to take a look at and consider possibly adding to your collection. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, it seems like uh, Moon Knight is a good play right now. I, I, I think because the show hasn't come out yet, uh, you're generally going to get these books, uh, you know, relatively cheap uh, to where they're actually going to end up. Um, let me blow you up there, Dave. Um, and I, I think that there's there's definitely a lot of interest in this. There's, there's a lot of anticipation. Anytime a new character comes out in any kind of, you know, form, what you know, whether it's a show or a movie, uh, anytime a, a Marvel character is, is debuts um, in some other media, I think there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of anticipation. Now with Punisher, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to me with Punisher because Punisher is actually, uh, we've talked about this before, Punisher is pretty well established actually as far as being a media thing. I mean, there's been three movies, right? There's been three different uh, feature films. Uh, and then there's been a series. There's actually been a television series. And then he's made numerous appearances in uh, a lot of the animated shows as well, right? So um, he's a much more established character. So I, I don't know if there's going to be as much play with Punisher. But I, I really do think that Moon Knight is one to watch just in general because he hasn't actually come out yet. So I don't think that the price is, is going to, in, you know, has, has inflated as to the point that once the show does start, the prices are going to be super inflated. And for a while, it's going to be like, I would say, stay away from them because you're going to be buying them at a premium price. Whereas right now is the time to get in before the show comes out. And and there has been, just so you know, there has been some things talked about kind of here and there, you know, as rumor, right? But I think it's just wishful thinking. But um, there has been I, some different things I've read and heard rumblings about. And again, I have no major Hollywood connections, you know, that I'm pulling this information from. It's not like that at all. And like I said, I think a lot of these 
rumors that suppose it came from people that are connected, I think is just wishful thinking. But <laughs> it is very possible if they wanted to, there could be an obvious early connection for Frank Castle and Mark Spector because they could have actually worked together at one point in the military. You know, that is a connection that both of them share. You know, Mark Spector um, was, um, he's ex-military, he was CIA at one point. Of course, you know, Frank Castle, um, typically he's Marine Force Recon, but they've done him as different versions of Special Forces, I think like Delta and different things. So, you know, it makes sense, you know what I mean? And they and it could be kind of cool too and interesting as well. Like they could even look at it, you know, to talk about a Steven Skull film for half a second, they could borrow some of those ideas from Under Siege where maybe, you know, Mark Spector was the CIA operative, right? And, you know, Frank Castle was the Marine Force recon, and maybe their run-in didn't exactly go well, right? So when they run into each other later on, many years later, and they just happen to be Moon Knight and the Punisher, and their other identities, they would already have bad blood between them because of what happened on this mission that went wrong, right? So there is a lot of different ways that they could integrate a lot of these characters and have a lot of fun, you know, establishing them early on and then eventually paying it off down the road if they want. So there's a lot of potential, you know what I mean? Specifically with Moon Knight. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting too, because a lot of the Punisher books did not get the bump. You know, they talk about the Marvel bump right now. Like, you know, you saw it with uh, Vision. You know what I mean? And even, you know, Scarlet Witch, you know, Wanda Maximoff, like a lot of their, those characters, key books and early appearances and stuff. A lot of those books have gone up in value because of WandaVision, right? We're seeing a lot of the um, U.S. agent stuff actually starting to actually go up in value because of right now Falcon and Winter Soldier. So they, they're referring to this now as the Marvel bump. And so it's interesting because Blade and Punisher are two really, you know, well-established uh, characters, as Eric said, you know, as films and television properties that everyone's familiar with, because Blade had a series of films and had a television series as well, as has Punisher. But these two characters never really experienced the Marvel bump. You know, a lot of these early key issues outside of first appearances, you can get relatively inexpensively. Um, I'd mentioned before, I, I'm in the process of picking up key Blade books to hold on to. So, um, you know, I, I've managed to pick up like his first solo story, his second appearance. I managed to pick up the first appearance of Deacon Frost um, and been kind of slowly, you know what I mean? Kind of, you know, getting these books together. Number one, because I'm a Blade fan and I just want to own them. But then secondly, too, I'm kind of surprised, like with Punisher, that a lot of these early key books, you can get them, you know, relatively inexpensively. Like I picked up this uh, giant size uh, Spider-Man number four, um, one of the books that we're highlighting this evening. You know, I got this for $10 on Mercari. <laughs> so oh, cool. it's, and this is an early, early Punisher, you know, appearance. So, um, and that's the thing I find interesting too. That's what we're trying to do in the collector's corner is, is give you some different things to look at and think about where if you're interested in getting into it, but you're not exactly sure where to start, it's like, well, here's a $20 book. Here's a $15 book. Here's a $10 book. And a lot of the books that we've talked about here on the show, you know, like the West Coast Avengers, you know, with the first spectral vision, white vision, whatever you want to call him. You know, we first started talking about that book. You know, it was uh, occasionally a book that you would find in a dollar bin if they were having a sale. It's one of the 
the important, you know, but it was like a $10 book, maybe a $15 book. You know, it's a $130, $140 book right now. Um, yeah. And then same things happen with Captain America with that early, you know, the first U.S. agent that we highlighted on the show. When we first started talking about that, that was maybe a $20 book, maybe a $30 book. And it's also begun to go up in value. So it's interesting to see when if because they've got the rights to the Punisher back and they're, they're talking about doing something with the Punisher in the MCU. I've heard conversations that there's talk of them doing something and it makes sense, right? Um, but we know Moon Knight is definitely coming. Moon Knight is experiencing the Marvel bump right now. His books are experiencing it as we speak. So as these other shows gets announced, you know, things like She-Hulk and all these other things, it's important to take a moment, look at them, and if the first appearances are out of reach, right, then you look for the first solo series, you know, the first monthly series. You know, like you start looking at at the other the other books that are kind of within range um, in order to pick those up and either just have them for the personal collection or or secondly, like I said, you know, um, you know, just grab them and hold on to them and, and we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, and and there's an interesting thing that that John mentioned here where he says Punisher is too violent for Disney. Don't think we will ever see him again. Uh, I don't agree with you, John. I think what's happening and it's already starting to happen is what Disney is doing is they're basically kind of realizing what a point that I've made, which I think they always knew this. You have to be careful with the Disney brand. You do. When, when, you, when it comes to the actual Disney brand that includes Disney press, you do, you do have to be careful with that brand and what it is that you're putting out there because it is, you know, Disney has always been considered a very family friendly brand, but Disney as a corporation owns all sorts of other things, including Hulu. And right now I know Hulu is working on basically like an R rated version of Marvel characters. And that's going to be on Hulu. The precedence already started. So I think that's, what's going to happen. I think eventually you're going to find stuff like the Punisher and stuff that's more like adult themed. You're going to, we're going to see it on Hulu, which is still part of Disney. So while it won't be on Disney plus, I think that that's that's the plan because it's already happening. They've already got a show in the works that is more geared towards adults, and it's they're putting on a Hulu. They're not putting on Disney Plus. And uh, for this evening too, I have two other things I want to actually highlight. These are current books um, that I think are interesting. Um, there's not like a lot of speculation behind these per se, but I just think they're interesting. Uh, maybe to pick up and hold, or secondly, if you like the characters, I definitely think they're worth picking up. Um, primarily when I read the synopsis for them, I saw the creative teams. I thought they looked really interesting. So the first one here, this is uh, uh, Joker number one. This is the new series. I really, really liked this cover. Um, this looks like an interesting book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, and I ordered this a little while ago. It was supposed to be in. I, I didn't think it was actually going to show up, to be honest with you. Um, but this is a, a fun book. And you know, I don't often pick up extra copies of a book, but I picked up an extra copy of this one because I want to have one graded and I want to have the second one to read to have in my personal collection. So this is an interesting current book I think is worth taking a look at and, and, and giving a little bit of thought to. And then this is the second one I wanted to highlight that's a, a current book. Really, really like this cover. Um, this is the new Alien series that Marvel's putting out. This is issue number one. This is the Patrick Gleason uh, cover. Um, this is just a, and I did get a chance to flip through this one and the art on it's pretty, is pretty good. It's pretty on point. Um, so this is another interesting, you know, current book that I think is worth taking a look at. 
That's cool. So the, those those just came out. Well, I think these are I. I think we're actually issue two for these series actually came out because I ordered them a while ago. They took forever to come in. Um, I'm actually going to go out to my, now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, I'm actually going to go out to my LCS and look at reestablishing a pull box. Um, and I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm in the, I, I'm reading right now. Currently I've decided I want to read this new alien series, um, uh, which looks interesting. I'm going to read the Joker series. Um, some other ones I picked up, I wasn't going to highlight, uh, but I, I am reading the new Swamp Thing series from DC. Um, I'm reading the, I want to read the Crime Syndicate series that DC is publishing too. Um, so I've got about four, four new books that I'm going to try and keep up with. Um, and the first issues, you know, finally just showed up. So I think they're actually on issue two. These books are not going for like a ton of money or anything, but I just think over the long term, they might be something interesting to have in the personal collection. Plus also the art and everything on these books is pretty solid. So um, I think they'd just be a fun read too. So, but these are the ones that caught my attention. So of all the newer stuff, they, you know, there's like a new Black Knight series, but historically, even though I know Black Knight is, you know, going to have some kind of role in the Eternals movie, um, you know, Black Knight books over time, they, they never really seem to go anywhere. But it's interesting with Joker, Joker's a character that's different. You know, every time they've done like a Joker series or, or whatever, like those books, they seem to sit and languish for a little bit, but they never really go down in value either. You know what I mean? Um, so they're always kind of interesting from that standpoint, like uh, the Garcia Lopez series from the 70s, like that first issue. You know, it's a pretty pricey book, you know? Um, so I was initially looking at it from that standpoint because I'm a big Batman fan. I really liked the artwork and it looks interesting. So, you know, those, those, like I said, just, we don't typically talk about current modern books very often here in the collector's corner, but I think these are interesting books that people should maybe, you know, take a, take a look at. Yeah. Well, obviously that's where you're going to get it at one of the lowest price points possible is when something is brand new. Uh, you know, that's yeah. kind of the angle that I've taken with uh, some of the action figures that I've talked about, like the, the Marvel Legends Kenner line, you know, that kind of stuff. That's stuff that's available right now. So obviously you can get it at a retail price. You can still find it in the wild, uh, exclusively at Target. Um, and, uh, you know, that's something that you can get that I, I think is only going to go up in, in terms of value. That's it's, it's, it's almost a no brainer. So. All right. Very cool. Do you have anything to add for the collector's corner for this evening or, you know, I wanted to talk about what you had talked to me about real quick because we have not talked about nfts at all yet and i just thought this would be good to, a good place to kind of bring it up so uh off the air david had actually let me know kind of gave me a little tip and I, I thought it would be good to share with uh with our viewers as well because we haven't really talked about nfts we haven't really talked about non-fungible non tokens um one way or the other but this is a phenomenon that's uh beginning right now and whether you think this is a good thing or a bad thing or whatever i think there is money to be made so uh tops apparently has acquired uh an nft um um a company that deals with nft so it says tops is to go public through uh spac deal as baseball card company ventures and nfts key points tops which is best known for its trading cards will go public through a merger with a special purpose acquisition company Former Disney CEO Michael Eisner will stay on as the Tops chairman. The deal values Tops at $1.3 billion. 
you know, it's kind of funny because I think at one point I thought Tops was gone. It's just amazing to me that they're valued at $1.3 billion. But uh, they are getting into this NFT thing. So if you yourself are on the fence um, and let's say you, you're not sure whether you want to get into NFTs as far as actually acquiring them, acquiring them yourself, right? Maybe you just don't like the whole idea and you don't want to do that. Um, you know, similar to something like Bitcoin. Maybe you just you don't want to directly buy Bitcoin, right? Or, or the cryptocurrency. Well, this is a way that possibly you might be able to make a little bit of money off of this anyway, even if you're not wanting to deal with them yourselves. Uh, anytime a, a stock comes out, I, I always think that it, it's it's worth looking at. I know there was a lot of buzz about Roblox recently uh, when they came out. They haven't really performed, I think, as well as some people were hoping they would. Uh, but they're still early on, and you just never know. So uh, the other one that's out there right now, because Tops is, has not been, uh, top stock is not available as of the, the, the time that we're recording this episode, and it sounds like it won't be available for at least a few months. But another one that's doing this is Funko. Funko recently got into NFTs, and Funko stock is available uh, to purchase. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting angle, because I know there's a lot of people that are already coming out strong one way or the other with NFTs. There's some people that are all in and there are other people saying, stay the hell away from them. But this is kind of like a middle ground where you can possibly get into this market in a different way. So I just wanted to put that out there. Tops and Funko stock, you know, top stock isn't out yet, but Funko is and something worth looking at. Yeah. And this is kind of the thing again, you know, we're not a, again, this is not financial advice. We're not financial planners, any of that kind of thing, whatever disclaimer we should be saying right now. Um, but it is, it is interesting um, to think about it because the thing that makes tops like a, a really unusual thing, cause I'm, I'm very, very curious and interested about this. And, and I do hope to actually purchase some as soon as it's available. Um, because I, you know, I used to collect tops baseball cards back in the day and, this deal for the NFTs is interesting because a lot of people they're focusing on sort of the baseball and the sports card angle with Tops, but Tops has also been publishing Star Wars cards since the first movie came out back in 77, 78. So, and then Tops also has published like a lot of Marvel properties over the years. Um, and it's interesting too because all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, a lot of these companies. Um, that I used to do sketch card gigs for that I hadn't heard anything from in since forever because it seemed like sketch cards were over. All of a sudden, I'm getting contacted by talent things and talent scouts and hearing rumblings about things and whatever else. And I have this feeling that it's related to these NFTs. I wonder if some of these companies are thinking, well, let's get them back under contract. Let's get them doing sketch cards to help sell these sets. And on the second lens, let, let's secondhand, let's actually take their sketch cards are creating, make NFTs out of them, and then turn around and resell these into this new marketplace. So there's all kinds of weird, interesting, strange things that are going to be happening. But I do agree with Eric. The thing that's interesting about Tops, if you're curious about this, again, this is not financial advice. You need to do your own investigation, figure out if this works for you. You know what I mean? Um, but I am planning to do this because I personally, um, I know the Tops brand. I still have Topps cards in my collection. We've talked before about my trading card collection I have here. Um, and then secondly, um, I like the idea that because Topps is in the physical collectible space, but then they're also now going to be in the digital collectible space. And um, if you had been you know, looking at Funko when I first started talking about Funko here on the show, 
um, it's interesting because um, I bought Funko at a very, very low price and it's continued to, it, it's weird how well it's performed. Um, but again, I only bought it as a, as a stock because I just personally like Funko just in general. I like the little figurines they do. They do t-shirts. They do all kinds of different collectibles and different things. And I didn't even realize they were getting into NFTs. And I thought that was interesting when I heard about that. And my wife was like, you know, that stock's been going up like crazy. I'm like, why? You know, and I didn't realize that they, they had bought a company that does NFTs. So it's interesting how this stuff is changing. So if this is something you're interested in, the NFTs, but you're not too sure about it, I agree with Eric. I think this is something worth investigating and looking into because it's a way to kind of stick your toes in, in the water without necessarily jumping in. Right. And there's also two plays here, as there are with, with any of these collectibles that we talk about, right? There's the idea that, for instance, if you're someone that thinks NFTs are the wave of the future, this might be something that's good for you in the long term, right? If, 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 you th if that's the play you're going to make. But then if you're one of these people that thinks NFTs is total garbage, you might be do really well on the quick flip, right? You might be able to get into that bubble space and, you know, you know get in before that bubble pops and, and, and make a tidy sum. So there, there, there's always those two different ways to look at it, depending on, you know, where you person, what you personally believe is going to be happening with this market. And this is interesting because this was actually one of the stories I wanted to talk about in pop culture. So um, it's interesting you brought it up here in the collector's corner because I hadn't thought about that. But it, it, it is so interesting when, when you think about it, because when I think of tops, I think of them as, you know, baseball cards, you know, as being part of that sports card, you know, collectible market. Um, and when I delve further into Tops, it's interesting because I forgot that they own the rights to Bazooka Bubblegum and all this other stuff. And it was <laughs> like, wow, they they have all these different aspects of their business. You know what I mean? It's much more complex and nuanced and layered than I realized it was. And I was like, so you're going to put NFTs into the mix, too. I just find it interesting. We'll see. I find we'll it see, very interesting that Michael interesting. Eisner is the, the CEO of Tops, too. I think that's really interesting. So, Yeah, for sure. All right, very cool. Um, do we want to go ahead and segue over into pop culture? Or? Yeah, I think that would be good. Let me find the. Uh, there we go. There's the banner there, and let me get the. Uh, let me get the graphic up too. Okay, so here in the pop culture news, uh, we like to talk about uh, anything that's happening in the world of pop culture. Usually, it's something that's caught Eric's attention or my attention. Basically, at the very least, you hope it's something that you find worthy of discussion. Uh, that's what we like to talk about here in the pop culture news. Um, so do you want to go first, Eric, or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. All right. Um, well, keeping in line um, with what we were just kind of talking about in terms of collectibles, uh, we're kind of blurring the lines here between, you know, this idea of, um, collectibles and pop culture news and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought this was interesting. Uh, this is actually coming from uh, superherohype.com. Um, and I didn't realize they were doing this, but I thought it'd be interesting to bring up. But it says, uh, Mark Spector returns in Marvel's new Moon Knight series. Now, Moon Knight has had a lot of comic book series over the years. Um, but I just thought this kind of interesting because they've got a different take here. Um, so this is a news story that actually broke today. Um, so this is Mark Spector returns in Marvel's new Moon Knight series. 
Moon Knight is heading to the MCU in a TV show starring Oscar Isaac. But before the fist of Khonshu invades Disney+, Plus, fans can prepare for his live-action de debut with some fresh reading material. Marvel has announced that writer Jed McKay and artist Alessandro Capuccio, apologies if I'm saying that wrong, are taking the reign of Mark Spector's new comic book adventures. The relaunched Moon Knight series picks up where the Age of Khonshu event left off in Jason Aaron's Avengers run. After imprisoning his moon god Khonshu at the storyline's end, Mark is once again focused on helping the needy. That's why he opens his new Midnight Mission, where he offers people shelter for all things weird and horrible, all while dispatching anyone seeking to do them harm. So it's an interesting thing. I'm always down for every... I've read every iteration of Moonlight they've ever published. Um, it And it's funny, too, because I think uh, Moonlight, the Fist of Khonshu, is still one of my favorites beyond um, the actually... Um, first Moon Knight series. It had uh, Doug Munch's writer and, and Bill Sienkiewicz doing the art. Um, so, but I, I'm going to check this out. I think it's really kind of cool. Again, it kind of blurs the lines between pop culture, obviously, and, and um, collectibles. But it's, you know, again, we're talking about the Disney Plus series. And this is an interesting thing, this idea of this midnight mission where he's, you know, providing shelter for people. But then he's, you know, again, he's that, at that street level and and protecting them. And it's interesting because I wonder if some of these concepts or ideas might be hinted upon or eventually incorporated into the show, because I, I think some of this approach sounds really interesting to me. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, it does sound interesting. And so that, that, that's pretty neat. So that might be, this might be a good place also for somebody that's not very familiar with the character, that this is a place where they can get into them. Yeah, I think so, too. So that's my first story uh, for this evening. I just thought it was kind of cool that uh, Marvel's getting ready to, to relaunch Moon Knight, so I'm going to be checking this out. So, yeah, very fun. Um, and then I was scan scanning it. I don't remember if they said exactly when a series is supposed to be dropping. Okay, July 7th. So there you go. Moon Knight number one will hit comic shops on July 7th. Um, and then it looks like this is the cover for the first issue by Steve McNiven. That's a pretty cool cover. Yeah, it does look pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I like that logo. That logo's fun. So there you go. Yeah. Um, July 7th. I'll be keeping that eye out. So a new, new, my, new Moon Knight series coming from Marvel. So Very, very cool. And like Again, I think this, you know, this is something that might be right up my alley. Since I'm not that familiar with the character, it might be a good place for me to just get into them, you know, and, uh, yeah, something that's, that's new and, uh, you know, going to be more readily available for me to be able to just pick up. So that's cool too. Yeah. It's something we might be fun to actually talk about on the show. If you actually pick up the first issue and I pick it up, it might be something we could talk about on the show. It might be, yeah, fun. That would be I think that would be fun. I think that would be good. Cause I think there is a lot of moon Knight anticipation out there. So I think that's something we're definitely going to pursue. Cool. So what do you have uh, for tonight's uh, pop culture segment, Eric? All right. So there was a teaser, a new Ghostbuster teaser that just came out. Have you seen this yet, Dave? No, I have not seen it. You have not seen it. Okay. So unfortunately, not. Uh, you're not going to be able to hear the audio, uh, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and play it. I haven't seen it either, although I did hear what 
is making this uh, what this what everybody is buzzing about this particular thing. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and play it, and then uh, let the audience also see it as we as we react to it. So obviously this is Paul Rudd's character, and it looks like he's at a a grocery store or something like that. So I'm just going to let it play. Again, apologize for the uh, the silence, everyone. We can't have the music or anything playing. We'll get in trouble with uh, YouTube. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. And there is a voiceover going on right now as well that if you haven't seen this already, that kind of adds to it. <laughs> but uh, everybody, I think you know that logo, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the Stay Puff Marshmallow. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> What in the heck is <laughs> that's pretty crazy, huh? That's insane. They're making themselves into s'mores. <laughs> oh lord. So I, I think you can see why that uh, is buzzing right now. And yeah, people are enjoying I can see that. that. Yeah. Uh, so obviously it's just a small scene from the movie. It's not even really a, a teaser trailer, really. It's just a clip. But uh, a lot of people are really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, myself included, I'm really anticipating uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And, and, and hopefully, you know, basically, uh, you know, the studio doing it right this time. Uh, because regardless, I think, of what, whether you liked the female Ghostbusters movie or not, I still think it was very disrespectful to the Ghostbusters franchise. And I'll say this just straight up. It would have been so easy to fix that. All you had to do was just make them their daughters or make them the daughters or, you know, at least one of them, the daughter of one of the main characters. And to me, that would have fixed the problem immediately and the controversy wouldn't exist. Whether the film is good or not, the controversy wouldn't exist uh, because I'm one of those guys. I've said it a million times. I will always, always support the idea of a sequel to a remake, reboot, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. These fancy marketing terms that people use. I always prefer the idea of a sequel, and that's what Ghostbusters Afterlife promises to be, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. At least this little scene does. Well, and and, and I mentioned this before here on the show. I feel like the simplest way in the world to, to fix the other film or have the other film work in continuity better is have, just have had those characters have bought the rights and they're establishing a Ghostbusters franchise. You know, Which because, also would be very respectful to the, to the fan community because that's what the... Yep cosplay fan community was already doing that they, they identified themselves as ghostbuster franchises we have a very active ghostbusters in arizona or at least we used to and that's what they do it's like it's supposed to be like the you know arizona or the phoenix franchise they could have gone with that idea as well yeah and, and that's kind of the thing that i felt like because they also could have shown the fan community some love by showing the different patches you know what i mean and you can start off with that scene where they're walking out of the I think it was the bank or whatever, and and um, uh, uh, oh darn, uh, Ray is talking about. He's like, um, he's like, man, he's like, uh, you you didn't even uh, fight him when he was talking about that fourth mortgage or whatever, and and uh, Peter Venkman's just like, the franchise rights alone are going to be worth millions, you know. And then you could show <laughs> the patches for all the different franchises and just put up there, you know, you know, Arizona, Michigan, Florida, you know what I mean, and and kind of go through it. And then you get to the end and you could have showed the one that was for this new franchise that's maybe in Southern California that was this new group, right? And you just show their particular patch for their group 
and then you see them and maybe they're going through training and that would have been funny that would have been fun too just imagine if they were having training with the original ghostbusters and there were some other people who were also going through the training with them you know and you could have had that police academy you know slapstick training kind of thing and then you know peter vankman being the drill instructor kind of like it's just there's so much comedy gold right there right and they yeah. had so much fun with just incorporating this idea um, and then still done this movie too, because it could all be in continuity. You know, I just, I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity. It, it absolutely was. And, you know, I, I tend to agree with you, John. You said you did not see it because it had to be politically correct. And I think they, they decided to go with a somewhat of a political, political slant, if you will, rather than just do the right thing and just make it in continuity with the other films. I think that's just what they should have done. Uh, Jane mentioned she was having some connection problems, uh, but she has the connection back. If anybody else is having connection problems, just let us know because we, we don't know if, if that's her having a connection problem or if the show is having problems getting out. So just do let us know if we're having any issues there. Okay, I'm not having a connection problem. I was getting my next uh, story ready to go here. Um, all right, so is that um, is it okay if I go next? Yeah, go ahead. All right, very cool. All right, so um, this is the the next thing I have for tonight uh, for um, pop culture news. It's kind of a collector's corner kind of thing. Again, kind of blurring the lines. But I thought people might find this interesting. So um, I've talked before about my love and affinity for um, motion picture soundtracks. And um, th this is physical media, not digital media, but these are actually like buying CDs of music still, right? Um, but I still enjoy... Um, movie soundtracks, and this is one of the main ways that I have collected them over the years. La La Land Records does a really, really great job. Um, this is not, and, and again, it's important to remember, none of this stuff is paid sponsorship. Nobody pays us to do nothing here. Um, <laughs> this is, I'm recommending them just because I, I like this company and, and they produce really great, uh, uh, basically soundtrack CDs. So they're having a 25% off um, site wide spring sale that, that's currently still going. Um, and I wanted to bring this up um, for people who are fans of like, you know, genre type stuff. Um, you can see right here, um, you know, this is uh, just some of the different kind of offerings they have. Let's go back up to CD. Um, but they've got really great stuff. You got 310 to Yuma here. There's Airport uh, 77. Uh, Alien 3, great Elliot Goldenthal score. Um, I have that one actually. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, they have uh, Michael Kamen, um, who actually did the Die Hard movies. They've got the Die Hard scores, if you're a Die Hard fan. Um, they've got a lot of Batman, the animated series. Like, here's a whole bunch of, you know, the Arrow shows. Here's the Batman, the animated series. And these are really great, you know, four CD sets. Um, just really, really great stuff. So I just wanted to highlight this because they don't do sales very often. Um, but if you're into uh, soundtracks, you love, you know, motion picture scores and that kind of stuff, you can see um, uh, all this kind of fun stuff over here at La La Land Records. I definitely recommend just going over and checking it out. Um, I'm going to go ahead vinyl? and... Do they have vinyl? Uh, I don't... I know at one point they have done, like, limited, yeah, LP. Yeah, here's... Oh, there's oh, Orville. They got one for the Orville. Yeah. On vinyl. Here's Saving Private Ryan, first time on vinyl. We're just wow. Wonder Woman, Star Trek 50th anniversary. 
That's pretty cool um, that they have the Orville on vinyl. That's that's really neat, you know. Yeah, um, that's like I said. I really like what La La Land Records does, um, and they they just have a really interesting selection of stuff. So if you're into the the comic book stuff, they've got that. If you're you know you see right here, here's the time tunnel, right? Like just really interesting uh, genre pop culture type stuff. Um, and again, like I said, I've bought a lot of stuff from them over the years. Um, so I can highly, highly recommend them as a great, reputable company. Um, they have, um, let's see here. Um, let's see if we can bring it up uh, real quick. Yeah, see right here. Check it out. Roadhouse, 30th anniversary. Uh, we got here. This is, yeah, here it is. Die Hard limited edition uh, re-release uh, two CD set. Michael Kamen's original score. Um Beverly Hills Cop. It's just really, they just do really, really cool stuff. Um, just really, really great stuff. Um, so definitely check them out. Like I said, they don't do sales very often, but this 25% off site-wide sale was just too good not to talk about here on the show. I, I feel like I feel like there's other, you know, movie soundtrack, you know, fans here in the audience. So I thought you all might find that interesting. I'm gonna put the link here in the chat for anyone who's terribly, terribly curious about it. Um, yeah, I'm thinking just, I might try to pick up that Orville vinyl. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it's very <laughs> cool. All right, there you go. All right. Huh, that's weird. It says, looks like your YouTube chat, live chat is disabled. That's weird. Huh. Oh, I wonder All what right. that's about. I have no friggin' idea. I wonder if it's because I was showing that, that old Godzilla cartoon. Maybe they got mad. Then again, who it could have been the uh, teaser we just did too? Who knows? You know. Oh, for maybe Ghostbusters. Felt, yeah, maybe they felt that was bad. I don't know. We're, I, the so thing that kills me about YouTube: we're recommending it. YouTube, we're telling people check it out. It's cool. It's interesting. We think it's cool. Like I don't understand why y'all got to be whatever about it. We didn't even play the stupid sound. Whatever. It, the link that I got is 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 from Twitter, and it's just a direct link to the. To the to the to the to the to the chief the teaser, you know. So yeah, I don't yeah. get it. these. Uh, whatever, who knows? Yeah. We don't really know what it what it is that's going on. It could just be a technical issue. So who knows? Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's all I have actually for pop culture. My other news story was actually going to be the one that you brought up about tops, because um, I thought that was interesting. So that was going to be my other one for this evening. So. All right. Well, I have another one for pop culture here that I just wanted to share because I thought it was pretty relevant. So uh, we do talk about the weekend box office from time to time. Uh, right now, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of times we don't talk about it because there's not much to talk about. But this is pretty significant. So regardless of what we think about uh, the film, it says here, this is from Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and this is from April 4th. And it says, uh, weekend box office results, Godzilla versus Kong, 48.5 million five-day haul uh, is a rock'em sock'em sign of hope. It says Americans came out in numbers we haven't seen in more than a year for the ultimate movie battle. What does this mean for the future? We're breaking uh, down the box office numbers from April 2nd to April 4th, uh, 2021. And so what this article talks about is this is pretty amazing. These, these numbers are actually like close to pre-pandemic numbers. Uh, and, it, you know, puts it, this all into context. It says, when Warner Brothers finally gave the go-ahead to put Tenet in theaters last Labor Day weekend, it took roughly six days 
to gr to gross the reported weekend gross of 20.2 million. So that was a six day gross. Okay, uh, says so the the numbers were fudged a bit. Uh, it is still just one of only three films since the beginning of the pandemic last March. Uh, the other ones being Wonder Woman 1984 and Tom and Jerry, uh, to open with 10 million or more. So 10 million or more has been like, you know, huge right now. So theaters have been closed and more streaming options have been made available and people have uh, shied from large ga gather gatherings to keep safe from a deadly virus. All of that has kept the industry, especially theaters, on edge. But leave it to a giant lizard and a mega ape to provide some much needed hope by propelling the top 10 films in theaters to the best gross, 43.68 million estimated, since the weekend of March 13th uh, through 15th, 2020 which was at uh, 49.58 million. So that's just as the crisis started. So that's that's really interesting. So we're really almost looking at a bookend here. So when the crisis started, uh, the, 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 the weekend box office amounted to uh, just under 50 million. And now we're looking at around 44 million, a difference of only $6 million. $6 million. So this is really interesting uh, because, you know, there's there's been all this sort of controversy and all this speculation about um, the effect that uh, that that Warner Brothers' decision would have on the theater industry, but uh, I, I kind of feel like part of this is what I was saying in my review is this is one of those films that I think is almost like meant to be seen in the theater, and if you do watch it at home, I think you're losing something. And apparently, audiences agree because this this movie has done some tremendous numbers in the in in the domestic box office and also the international box office. The international box office receipts are like. I think more than more than double, almost triple what they were domestically. So it's doing very well internationally. Of course, there are markets like China, which are basically fully open internationally. So uh, that that's part of that context there. But great numbers, you know. Whatever, whatever, whatever our thoughts, whatever your thoughts about this film are, amazing numbers for Warner Brothers and uh, some real signs of hope for the theater industry. So had you heard about this, Dave? How well how well the film is doing at the box office? Yeah, I had heard that the film was performing quite well, um, you know, and, and like I said, I enjoyed watching the movie, you know what I mean? It's just, you know, I, I just felt like they could have done some things differently, you know what I mean? But I didn't hate watching the movie. Um, like I said, it's my fourth favorite Transformers movie. Um, Transformers. Yeah. And uh, no, I, um, I'm not too surprised, you know, it, it's, it's a fun movie. It's a big blockbuster film. You know what I mean? We haven't had too many of those coming out in the midst of everything that's been going on. So, you know, I know some people have been excited to go back to the movie theaters. I mean, I'm looking forward to hopefully go back to the movie theaters here pretty soon, you know? So, um, and uh, no, yeah, I'm not too surprised, um, to be honest. Um, you know, I guess the only thing I'm kind of surprised at is we haven't heard, heard more announcements about some of these other big blockbuster films that were supposed to be coming out, which you said they released some new stuff actually for Ghostbusters I hadn't seen, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife. So I guess they have started to do that. Now, maybe I've just been missing it, you know, because I was really looking forward to uh, Top Gun Maverick. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're going to hear a lot more news. I think when it comes to uh, theatrical releases, I think based on these numbers and of course, what's really going to be the big determining factor also is next weekend. If 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 Kong, uh, you know, versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, actually performs well again, right? And if, if the box office still keeps kind kind of maintains uh, some upward momentum, just to give you some context of what's going on right now for the uh, the top ten, 
Uh, this is at the end of the article here. So Godzilla versus Kong is obviously number one. Uh, the Unholy was number two. Nobody was number three. Uh, Ryan the Last Dragon was number four. That's the Disney film that's out right now. Tom and Jerry's, it's still holding there at number five, which I think is really interesting. And then even more interesting down the list at number seven is The Croods, <laughs> which they didn't have great numbers, but The Croods is still in the top 10. And that obviously kind of shows you, you know, that we still are dealing with some of those uh, lingering pandemic effects of the, of the movie of the box office. But I just think it's kind of funny that the crudes, you know, at least domestically kind of blew away wonder woman, wonder woman's not even in the top 10 anymore. So it is kind of interesting what's going on. Um, and we are, we are definitely seeing a resurgence of the, uh, of the theatrical uh, box office window. Interesting. Interesting. Very cool. All right. Um, so uh, do you have anything for streaming wars uh, this episode or? Yes, I do. Did you have any right, streaming wars? I don't have anything for streaming wars. Um, uh, like I said, it was a lot of my content seemed to be blurring the lines between being this and being that, you know, as far as the segments go. Um, and I didn't find anything terribly too interesting as far as the streaming wars. And since we were talking about Godzilla versus Kong, and it actually plays a role in the streaming wars, right? Um, right. I thought that might kind of have it covered. But what do you have? No, a lot of the times these things overlap a lot. Uh, in fact, a lot of times I'm not sure where to put this, if, I'm, if I want to put it under pop culture or if I want to put it under streaming wars. And sometimes I'm not sure I, I even made the, the right decision as to where to put it. But this one's definitely uh, an interesting uh, aspect of the streaming wars here. So we're finally getting some numbers for, for, for uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So this is a, a CBR.com article, uh, comic book, uh, I think it's comicbookreview.com. Uh, so it says uh, resources. Resources. There we go. So uh, the headline reads: Under fifty percent of Zack Snyder's Justice League audience completed it in the first week. It says new data sheds light on the number of viewers who actually completed Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max after starting the film. So it says uh, basically, according to data from Samba TV. 2.2 million households watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, but only 36%, and that's they break that down to 800,000 to be precise, actually finished the entire movie. It says, however, this data is confined to just the first seven days of the film's release. So in theory, people could have gone back and finished it. I think this is really interesting from a personal aspect because I mentioned during my review that I actually had this experience where I did actually get frustrated with Justice League and almost didn't finish the film, even though I was supposed to be reviewing it for the show. I was kind of like so not into the first half of the movie that I stopped it, stopped watching it. I actually kind of got angry and kind of huffed off from my room and everything. And then later, the next day, I was like, you know what? I really should finish this because I am supposed to be reviewing it. So I did, and I actually did like the second half a lot more than the first half. But I just find that funny that this this data kind of <laughs> kind of packs up my experience. And I don't know what, what you think about this, Dave, but the, I think this is, these are some really interesting numbers that a lot of people apparently did not finish this film. Um, I mean, I'm not too surprised. Number one, it's a long film, um, like it's a, a very very long film. Um, secondly. Um, you know, it has obviously new segments and it's a very different sort of viewing experience, but it's also very similar to the other theatrical, you know, film. Um, 
So I'm not too terribly surprised that, you know, a lot of people that maybe started watching it decided it wasn't for them and, and either decided to come back to it later or maybe decided not to come back to it at all. Um, you know, that's one of the interesting things about the streaming wars too we don't talk about is how they're able to track, you know, kind of viewing habits more than maybe what we would have gotten before, like from a Nielsen standpoint. You know what I mean? Like a little right. bit more data in terms of, you know, like when someone turns something off, for example. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting. And by the way, that's um, that's I, a really key thing. There's that's a really key thing. In fact, I know that there was uh, some allegations that Doomcock made about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and he was claiming something similar had happened uh, with one of the episodes where basically people um, just turned turned off the TV in droves at a certain point. And again, that's just like an allegation that was a rumor. But the actual data is very important to know that if people are tuning out at a certain point of a movie or a, you know a television show, whether it's you know because of specific content like a specific scene that's maybe offending people, you know what I mean, that kind of a thing, or if it's just people losing interest, you know, it, to me a halfway point shows people just losing interest. They just at some point they were like, I'm, I'm just not going to finish this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I'm not too terribly surprised. Um, like I said, it, it is a it is a uh, you know a, a a newer version of a film that has come out previously. Even though, like I said, it is a very different viewing experience. So um, I'm not too terribly surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, one thing though that does mention is that Forbes did their own little analysis of these numbers, and they still basically said that. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League itself led to a massive uptick in downloads. And their analysis says that possibly Zack Snyder's Justice League brought about $266 million uh, in additional revenue to Warner's media. So there is that other side of it as well. Interesting. All right. Very cool. Do you have anything else for Streaming Wars this evening or... Well, this is one uh, that I missed from last week, and I did want to go ahead and get on it. Um, I don't know if it's 100% streaming wars because this is more like content, talking about some content rather than numbers. But I just thought this was kind of fun. So this is from uh, Review Geek, and it says, Disney Plus just added a bunch of old Star Wars cartoons and films. And it says, uh, we can all use more Star Wars. Well, I, I think it depends. And with the Mandalorian on break, it's a long wait before we get anything new. So how about something old? The Star Wars Vintage Collection arrived on Disney Plus today. This was dated April 2nd, so this is an older article, uh, and features classic cartoons and films unseen for decades. So what do we got? It says, uh, did you ever hear the, <laughs> hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No, they mean Star Wars the Holiday Special. I thought not. It's a tail bus left in the cold and dark corners of a trash compactor. But buried deep in an otherwise awful entry in the Star Wars universe is the story of the faithful Wookiee. If you're a fan of Boba Fett, and who isn't, it's worth watching the story of the faithful Wookiee at least once, once because it's the very first appearance of Boba Fett. The cartoon introduces Boba Fett uh, before his arrival in Empire Strikes Back. The story of the faithful Wookiee features original cast member voices. Uh, so it, it's really kind of one of those things that's kind of interesting. So in addition to the story of the faithful Wookiee, uh, which, again, is the first time I think Lucasfilm has ever released anything officially from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, we've also got the uh, Clone Wars. This is the 2D micro series, which I personally think is superior 
to the uh, three-dimensional series that uh, you know we got after this. I actually think that this is a, a, a it's easier to watch and it's a lot more fun, just my personal opinion. And I, I like the 2D style better than the 3D style. Um, and then we've also got uh, the Ewoks movies. We've got Ewoks uh, Caravan of Courage. Uh, and then we've got also Ewoks The Battle for Endor. And I believe also we are getting the Ewoks um, uh, the Ewoks uh, cartoon as well. The only thing it doesn't look like we're getting is we still don't have the full uh, holiday special. And Droids hasn't come out yet. But I know Droids is planned to be coming out later this year. Oh, that's interesting. Um be cool to see some of this stuff again that I haven't seen in a long time, specifically like, um, you know, the Ewoks cartoon, droids specifically. I, I would definitely be interested in revisiting those. I remember liking the Ewoks cartoon and liking droids quite a bit when I was a kid. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, Ginder Kierkowski's, uh 2D Clone Wars series he was doing as well. So it'd be fun to revisit those. Although I do own... I don't own season two, but I do own season one of those already on uh, DVD. Um, but it'll be fun to uh, revisit and watch those. This sounds like a lot of fun. And I haven't seen the Ewoks movies in a very, very, very long time. Yeah, me either. I I'm really interested actually to see how they stand up for me because I loved those movies as a kid. I absolutely loved those movies as a kid. And I remember enjoying the the, the cartoon as well. Uh, Droids was a kind of like um, it was. I remember even as a kid, it was kind of like uh, one thing they did in Droids was they had different masters, and some of the masters were were just not interesting to me. And then some of them were. That, that's what I remember as a kid watching Droids. It really depended, you know, which which uh, series it was in terms of which masters they had, because some of the masters just didn't work for me, and other ones were a lot more interesting. That's how, that's how I remember droids. Uh, but uh, I definitely remember loving all the Ewok stuff. So it'll be interesting to watch as an adult and see what I think. Because uh, Ewoks was only released, uh, the, the cartoon was only released, I think, as like a, they did like a, a DVD that had, I think, like four episodes. And I think they were basically like edited to be like two movies. I know droids did that because I have the droids one. I have the droids DVD, but I never got the Ewoks DVD. And I know the droids one, what they did was they basically edited like a couple episodes and basically like two hour long movies or something like that. And one of the other things they did with droids was they took the theme song away, which I always thought really sucked because the, the theme song of droids is actually probably like the coolest thing <laughs> from droids in my opinion. Uh, but uh, yeah, so droids hasn't come out yet. They, I know they are. They, I did read another article saying they are planning to come out with it, but still no word if we're ever going to get the entire Hollywood, you know, the holiday special. I'm still waiting on that one. Well, there you go. Interesting. All right. Do you have anything else for uh, Streamy Wars this week, or is that it? Nope, that's it. Okay, very cool. Well, let's go ahead and go to the outro, and we can discuss whatever in the weirdness just happened on YouTube here. All right. So <laughs> um, we want to thank you for hopefully watching or listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live. Again, my name is Dave Beatty. I've been one of your hosts. Um, if you're curious to see some of the stuff I'm up to these days, um, definitely go over and check out KirbyTees.com. That's my t-shirt company. Uh, we've got those new designs that are still up. Uh, Brains are Magic, Skeletor, and the original Dragon Slayer, as well as possibly even consider purchasing a Retro Rogues Live t-shirt and supporting what we're doing here on the show. We would greatly appreciate your support. Again, that's KirbyTees.com, K-I-R-B-Y-T-S.com. Uh, I want to thank... Uh, my great co-host, Mr. Uh, Eric Alexander, for providing his unique perspective, as always, and his opinions 
Always fun to have these uh, lively debates between us and also with those of you here in the Rogues Gallery. Eric, please tell the folks who'll be watching or listening at home where they can learn more about you on the interwebs. I'm most active on Twitter, so you can reach me there at BaseGod14, at B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4. That is also the official YouTube. uh, That's also the official uh, Twitch. Uh, So if you make comments there, more likely than not, I'll be the one responding to you. Uh, Always open to your suggestions. I believe next week uh, we are going back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, That's the plan for now. Um, And then I think there's a week there that we might not be exactly sure what we're doing because i know we're eventually also going to be doing mortal Kombat. i know that's coming up pretty pretty quickly as well so our schedule might be a little bit weird but hey if you got suggestions let us know because if if you want us to review something we will definitely look into doing it as long as we have access to it um so i want to appreciate uh, the rogues gallery and appreciate your comments uh jane says uh, another great and fun show really appreciate that jane and john also says great show guys and we will leave john with the last word We want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live podcast. You can learn more about Eric Alexander and find the live show on either Twitch, YouTube, or Twitter by searching for BaseGod14, that's B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4, on either YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. If you are curious about co-host Dave Beatty, you can see some of his art, find social media links, and so much more at his website, DaveBeatty.com. That's D-A-V-E-B-E-A-T-Y dot com. If you enjoyed this episode of the Retro Rogues Live, be sure to like, share, and subscribe.